0: It's time to turn off the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. So if you've made your own movie on your phone, or your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you do when you want to celebrate reaching 100 episodes, while you do it with your favorite fucking metal movie of all time, Heavy Metal! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast, and holy fucking shit, it's episode 100. Um, yeah, this has been, well, I guess a while in the making, right? Um, I really can't believe that I've done so many of these fucking podcast episodes for this podcast. Uh, you know, with the other one that I do with the Paranormal Pad it'd Be Like That, we hit 100, I think, a couple of years ago. And that was really fun. We did something special then and everything like that. And then, you know, but this was kind of just done as like an offshoot because we decided with that one that we wanted to go to just an every other week. And I still had the podcast itch. And it was like, oh, huh, what do I do? Well, I've always wanted to talk about, you know, movies and I've always wanted to talk about horror movies. And I used to write like a little review. I guess back in the day you would say it was like a blog, but it was more like a forum board. ...type thing, and that was part of the thing I did for this little company, and um, it was really fun to do, uh, but it was very expensive. Like, I used to do it on, like, first run, and because I wasn't any type of, like, a movie critic going out there, and, you know, no one wanted to really pay me to do that stuff, and no one's really paying me to do this now, but I can rely on the kindness of streaming, and I can rely on the kindness of uh, the collection that I have here to do this podcast, And you know what else is very important is that I've got a very good group of friends that I've gained out of this podcast, not just the people that I know around here, but also people that are out there that have been supporting the podcast, that talk to me on a regular basis, that tweet at me, that send me DMs uh, directly, you know, either through Twitter or Facebook or even fucking WhatsApp to the point that, you know, some of these guys, we communicate on actual text messages every day. not so much the phone, but I get invited to do things, and um, it's been a ton of fun. And not just that, but all the people that continue to listen to the podcast. And it surprises me and amazes me that so many people actually want to listen to it. Now, when this podcast finally is released and you're sitting and listening to it, you may be lucky listener 30,000. And I can't believe that I've had that many plays and downloads. And there are some people out there that, you know, like... Little <laughs> reading today on somebody, man, I just don't know how I can do, like, keep reaching that goal of 50,000 listens per episode, and I'm like, fucking A, man, you know how much I struggle to listen to, you get the listenings on certain episodes, and I actually did go back, and I looked at all the episodes, and so in a couple days, sometime after this, I'll put out some of the stats that we've got, not necessarily numbers, but with the top 10 most listened, and the top least most listened episodes, but... You know, it's not just about numbers. It's just a, like for me, it's the fact that anybody wants to listen to me talk. It doesn't matter, you know, if you've been listening from day one, if you decided, you know, that you'd give me a chance at some point and you kept off. And I'm pretty sure there's some people that have listened to the podcast in the beginning and thought a couple episodes sucked and stopped listening. And you know what? You guys are fine. You guys, you know, things change, formats change, uh, people stop listening to podcasts all the time. But I do really appreciate anybody that's ever decided to download and take a shot at listening to any of these, uh, period. And so, like, I had to think about it when I was coming to this episode. And then I'm like, fuck, episode 100, what the fuck am I going to do? Um, you know, I can keep in theme. I can go, you know, outside of it. I could do something I really like. Oh, i like to save that for the end um you know i can get a bunch of guests on maybe we can just chat and i can release that as an episode but uh i don't know i kind of want to keep at least on theme and so the idea came to me uh, a couple months ago and i'm like you know i'm gonna do i'm gonna do an anthology movie and the reason that i'm gonna do an anthology movie is because i'm gonna invite people to do some things um and i had to think like what is a good anthology movie or what would be a fun anthology movie to do To where I could let people do what I wanted them to do and then still like do a movie that either maybe they haven't seen or that I really love or that would give like everybody like a good like segment to do to do whatever they want and my instructions were clear it was just hey go ahead and release an episode as though you were me okay Uh, you can do it in your style I I would like there to be clips they don't have to have clips but kind of how I do it and then you know if you do want to give a rating at the end you're more than welcome to give one for the little episode but in general I'm gonna just go through the movie as is and boom at the end I'll do my normal thing but you know I had to think really long and hard what was the movie that I could do this and what movie can I do that I can get the most amount of people possible on an episode um and that's when it came to me that you know what Heavy metal's the way to go now heavy metal is a good mix of Different types of stories. You've got your fantasy story. You've got your horror story You've got your comedic story uh, And you've got your sci-fi stories as well as one that's more like a You know I guess you could call it like sci-fi noir if you really want to do that I guess that's probably the best thing to root it as but nonetheless. I'm like this is perfect Because there are six different stories inside of it. Um, There's one that I would want to do, right? And it's my podcast, so I get to pick that one (laughs) right away. And then I presented it to other people and said, Hey, you know, if you guys would like to do it, great. If you don't, let me know. Um, You know, there's some other people I can ask. And I started off with five people, and all five of those guys said, Yes, we will do it and so i didn't have to search very long now this is a bonus for me in a way too because one i get to see how people can (laughs) try to mimic or imitate what i do and mimicry is the best form of flattery or (laughs) however you say it i would put that as a blooper but i'm gonna fucking leave it in there flattery uh (laughs) but honestly like I, I really my heart goes out to these guys because like I listened to everything beforehand and I loved every one of them because they bring their own flair to everything um and it's really something like <laughs> it it it's realizes well, like what I do um is you know is entertaining at least maybe it is to me maybe hopefully it is to you especially if you keep listening uh but like I, I had a lot of fun going through them first and laughing and uh, seeing what they would do, you know. And um, you, you get my reactions to every one of them at the end of your episode, a little clip. But I won't say who it is until we're getting ready to it, until we're getting the movie. So everything's kind of a surprise when you get to it. But I'm pretty sure you could probably guess who they would be. Uh, but I'm glad that everybody decided to say yes up front they all picked their episodes. They all got the ones that I hope that they really wanted. Um, I'm again, I'm very happy with how all of them came out, uh, especially binding them. So it's gonna feel a little weird for this episode if you're used to just listening to me. The way that the episode's gonna go is it's gonna be me. Uh, I'm gonna intro everything. I'm gonna do the little segments of the Lockmar in between, and then we're gonna fold into their episodes, uh, and then we're gonna come out of it, and then. We're going to go right into the last one of Tarna, which is all going to be me, so uh that's what we 're doing now. I do want to stop talk about st- stock a little bit, yeah, I could stalk some people in heavy metal. Um, I do want to talk about heavy metal a little bit and kind of I, I might have said some of these stories before, but i I you know if you didn't listen to the episodes that were on or the last episode at the end of the crawl episode when I was saying what the movie was going to be um you know i still like to go through the little stories and like heavy metal holds a dear place in my heart and it's one of the first there are two movies that are stuck in my childhood as being adult animation of movies that i shouldn't be fucking watching this was one of them and vampire hunter d was the other one they were always on tbs or in tnt one of those ones like all the time along with akira akira would be the other film that was one of the films like it was my first introduction to adult animation and both vampire hunter d and akira were my like first introduction to like adultish anime like I had watched transformers growing up and not really knowing that was anime and robotech as well not knowing that that was anime as well as long as things like ronin warriors and stuff when i was first aware that something wasn't from the us even though it was dubbed in english was truly vampire hunter d and then akira shortly after and all the time when these were really becoming big and i would say the late 80s early 90s they were always like, lumped in with heavy metal. So, I had seen heavy metal a ton growing up. Whenever it came on TV, you go into the TV guide, oh my god, it's gonna be on? I made sure I watched this fucking movie. I love this movie. I unabashedly love this movie. It's hard for me not to love this movie. (laughs) Even going back and seeing how cheesy it is, and seeing the way that sometimes the animation isn't exactly what you want it to be, I still fucking love this movie. So it's, that was the other reason why I wanted these guys to do it. Because some of these guys like, man, I haven't seen this in years. I've never seen it before. Even with one of the person that did one of the episodes. And I think I picked the right one. He he actually asked me, he said, Hey, which one should I do? And I said, you should do this one. I'm like, you have between these two. These two, I think would suit you best. And I think that this one actually suited him the best after he decided, okay, I'm going to do that one. And it's, Just like it for its time. I believe that this was groundbreaking, especially to little old me, you know, seeing these things, and these images now, because I had seen it on regular cable TV, I had never seen the actual heavy metal. I had only seen what we could see on TV. So I remember when I was about, hmm, I want to say I'm about 15 or 16. uh, I was homesick. And it just happened to be that that day on pay-per-view Uh and pay-per-view for those that don't know what the hell i'm talking about and I'm sure most people know it was a channel where you could basically right now. It's used for fights like you pay for the fight oh, I'm gonna pay for the holy we- weather fight and you know holy weather. What the fuck? Uh, holy Field fight or the mayweather fight or whomever your your boxer is or you pay for the you know pay-per-view Basically, it was a rental service, right? You rent it, but a lot of those channels they may play the movie the whole day And so when you do the pay-per-view in some cases you get to rent the movie and you get to see it for the whole day Um, And then you can record it and you can do what you want um, Or you just it's just like a rental instead of going to the video store It was the first like streaming service if you really think about it You'd pay for the view except for you'd punch the code into your box and if you got it in the middle of it you didn't pay for it until it started next so you could actually see like half a movie and then they changed that later on like it would say on the screen oh well it's not available and when kids you know adults talk to you about like <laughs> i can't believe i say kids like scrambled porn this was part of pay-per-view like a lot of the times the movies they would be scrambled when they were there and sometimes you could get sound so like Or they'd give you the first 10 minutes of it free so like basic instinct would come on and i'd fucking love it because well if you've ever seen the first 10 minutes of basic instinct you know why uh but this was those things that you could do so i was homesick i begged my dad i'm like look this is the first time it's on pay-per-view i can't find this movie anywhere um you know we've tried to buy it multiple times and they've watched it with me so they're like oh this is okay and so my dad was like sure it was his day off i was homesick You can go it because you don't feel well. We'll rent this movie. Man, was I in for a fucking surprise. (laughs) in seeing this, when the first one, like it starts normal, you know, and again, we'll talk about the whole thing, but the way it starts and then you get to the first story and then all of a sudden fucking Harry Crumb is in his bed and boobs, animated boobs and animated carpet matching the drapes um what i remember looking at my dad dead i swear to god and my sister i think she happened to stay home that day as well for some reason or she got home early or something like that i don't remember what it was and she also looked at him, but i was just like you've watched this with me and she actually backed me up she's like yeah i've watched it with him too and I'm like, we never knew this existed because we only saw the tbs version we only saw the version that was heavily Heavily censored and so that was the very first time I had ever actually seen this movie Like with everything in it like the gore always exists But I mean all of the animated nudity that you can get in this movie it's a fucking off the charts. It is everywhere constantly. Whenever they can show a pair of boobs, it's ridiculous. And it's just like that South Park parody that was done of this uh, with Kenny going into the magical world and seeing all the boobs everywhere and everybody has boobs on top of them. It's, like, ridiculous. Like, you think that that's just, oh, that's funny. No, that's the way this thing is. It's fucking ridiculous with that shit. It was like they were really trying to be edgy, hardcore, because Heavy Metal the Magazine, where a lot of these stories came from, was kind of in that, like, adult fantasy horror, like, comic world, and really adult. And I'd never read it. My parents definitely never read it, or probably even heard of it. Uh, we only knew the movie. And I was like, I remember, I'm like, fucking John Candy is voicing stuff in this movie. Why? Like... That, that, I swear to God, and then the the fucking cocaine scene that's in this movie, though it's not called cocaine, but that's what the fuck they're doing. Like, that, it, and I you can even see where they would do, like, the little cuts, and they'd stay on a little part a little longer, so that way they could keep the dialogue in. And even some of the dialogue was just, like, a little bit harsher than even I remembered. But you know what? I still unabashedly love this movie. I don't care that it's got all this extra nudity in it that's totally... Uh, Over the top. I don't care that the violence is over the top and that the stories are maybe a little bit quicker than they need to be But there's still a lot of fun. I still fucking love this. So Heavy Metal is Truly where I got into adult animation like this was the thing that brought me over I mean, I love Vampire Hunter D. I love Akira. I think that they're fantastic films as well and we may even be talking about them at some point soon. Uh, but this was truly the way that I was like, that animation doesn't have to be just Donald and Mickey. It doesn't have to be just He-Man. Uh, it, it can be, like, just ridiculous. You can explore so many different, like... You know assets of of literature and styles and you can have them all put into a single film or you can have them all by yourself so like from this one fire and ice and then you look at the stuff that's been done later on with like the the matrix did a whole set of animations that were all different weird and even up to uh today with that series which is like love death and robots or love robots and death or something like that. i think it's love death and robots uh which is a fincher series which is really good but it honestly like i feel like that's exactly like this is like that's what heavy metal was and that's like the heavy metal for the youth of today like if you go on netflix and you watch that and you watch it as though it was a movie you're kind of drawn into it because each of them are nice little vignettes they're good stories for the most part put into these little short films and the animation is absolutely beautiful and for the time for this hand-drawn It was wonderful. It's a little bit dated right now. I'm not going to lie when you're watching it. But it's still, like, I'm still amazed at a lot of the sections. And honestly, um, the person that got the B-17 one, when I was a kid, I hated that section. I hated that fucking part. And I just never really understood it. I found it a little boring. And going back through the last couple years, it's become one of my favorite ones. Because the animation, I feel, is something special and something different. Uh, and I feel like the conveyance of horror in that section is really good. Uh, and that's just me like going through it now and having a better mindset than back then. Because I don't know why. I guess because probably because I love the Tarna section so much. And I, again, I still do. So I don't find this movie to be... like Some people are going to find it really cheesy. Some people are going to ha- find it super endearing and maybe even feel like I feel... In terms of what point in life they've seen this movie. You know, it's like somebody probably with me in E.T. You know, I can't stand E.T. And you may be like, what? <laughs> uh, but honestly, yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. But I can understand. I also really, when I was really little, I saw it and didn't really know much about it. And then, of course, there's my cousin. Uh, but <laughs> there's... Um, there's just something, I think even when I saw it again much later in life, I'm just like, you know what? I I just don't get it. I don't get why so many people liked it, um, but that's just because maybe I didn't have a connection with it when I was a kid, but I get these huge bright eyes and big-ass smile while I'm watching it, even while watching it, again, for this podcast, and it's probably something like the 60th or 70th time, and I might be exaggerating a little bit there, but honestly, I've seen this a lot, uh, that I've seen this... And I still had a big-ass smile the entire time that I was watching it. And it was weird, because again, like I said, these guys have made my life easier because my notes are so short. They're only for the one page and a couple of things right in the beginning of the movie. And that's it. So I got to actually sit and enjoy this movie, rather than just sit back and fucking do what I normally do, which is constantly stop and start and write a shit ton of notes while I'm watching the fucking movie. So, uh, in this case, there's not going to be a whole lot for me to say until we get to the last section, which is Tarna, uh, but I really hope that you can guys enjoy what you hear from the episode and what these podcasters did. They took their time out of their schedules and out of their days to come and do this thing for me that I can't thank them more than enough for doing. So... Without further ado, why don't we get into episode 100 of the Terrible Terror Podcast and Heavy Metal. So our first opening shot of the film is outer space, and we see this green orb flying through, and we hear this message.
1: A shadow shall fall over the universe, and evil will grow in its path, and death will come from the skies.
0: And so this is how the beginning of the movie starts where we see this spaceship kind of sitting out there, and we get the very first, uh, like, little story of the film. I guess I should be lying when I say there was like six. There's like seven, but this is more like the intro, and I kind of blend it into the overall, like, arching part of the film. The first one's called Grimaldi, and basically all it is is that we see this, this astronaut Grimaldi, and if you've seen that image of the Tesla that got shot into outer space and he has the spaceman in it, It looks exactly like this. Like, I literally was like, you know, Elon Musk was a big fan of heavy metal because you looked up in the sky and this is what you saw. And you see him get uh, come out of the spaceship and it's a car. And the heavy metal music starts fucking going. And you know that you're already in for a thrill ride. And again, this is kind of cheesy, but this is really the thing that's like, you know, makes the movie, I guess, my little uh, young kid mind think that it was totally badass. Oh, he's driving through space in his fucking car, man. And then what fucking saves him from burning up in the fucking atmosphere? Why, it's fucking heavy metal, and it's just as he's coming through the goddamn atmosphere, and then he lands, and even as he's coming, busting through, and you see that like, the shields, or not even the shields, the windshields of the car, are getting blackened because of the flame, there's all the soot, and then the windshield wiper's going, man. But you know what? Metal is fucking saving the day, and that's what's making sure that he lands, and he doesn't even get rid of the, or, or deploy the parachute until he hits ground, man. So when he hits it, am <laughs> pretty sure he would fucking just explode the moment that he hit the ground, but no, instead it lands perfectly, then he releases the parachute, for some fucking reason like why didn't you release it a while ago this does not make sense to me but you know what it's fucking badass is what it is so he lets the parachute go and then he drives up over onto this house on a hill where somebody has not been taking care of the lawn because it seems like the grass has gone way overgrown and who what do we find inside but a young girl who the moment that her father steps in through the door she asks the question, where the hell's my fucking present? And then we actually get to hear the Lochnar kind of introduce us to what we're going to experience for the rest of the movie.
2: What did you bring me? You'll see. Wait, wait for me!
3: What
1: is it? Do not try to escape. You are in my control. Look at me. I am the sum of all evils. Look carefully. My power infests all times, all galaxies, all dimensions, but many still seek me out. A green jewel they must possess, but see how I destroy their lives.
0: Okay, first off, before we start getting into the rest of the movie, this bitch, the moment that he fucking comes home, the very first thing, she's like, what have you got for me? Like, come on. How long has he been in the fucking outer space? You can't be happy. Oh, dad's home. Holy crap. I can't believe that you're doing it. Unless, of course, this is his, like, regular thing. Like, he always goes out and he always goes into space and he always just fucking does whatever he does. And he comes home and he doesn't think anything of it. Like, how ungrateful are you? The grass is fucking way overgrown on the outside. You could have fucking cut down that shit. While dad was busy trying to make his money for you. So that way he could bring you home a nice present. Which he eventually does. You know, but that nice present happens to be the Loch And it happens to fucking disintegrate his ass right in fucking front of you. And that's where we kind of get the idea of the movie. See, everything is all about the influence of the way the Loch has affected people throughout space and time. So that way, we actually get a really good, like... Set up for all the different anthology stories It's just like a Tales from the Crypt or a Tales from the Hood type of thing where you have got one major guy that's kind of giving you the intros for every story and then they lead on to You know a nice little 10 15 minute little story So the first one that we're gonna experience and it kind of dipped into it There is the story of Harry Canyon now My experience with the story is even after watching all this time This is honestly probably my least favorite about all the stories um I still don't think that it's terrible, don't get me wrong. I just think out of all the stories here, it's probably the weakest in my opinion. But you know what? I'm going to let somebody else talk about it for the first one. So, hey, Paranormal Pat, why don't you take this one away and tell us about Harry Canyon?
4: (laughs) Yeah, so I get this call, right? Uh, From Brian from the Terrible Terror Podcast. And he's like, you know, hey, you want to be part of my episode? (laughs) I mean, I guess I'll throw the guy a bone. I mean, I've known him long enough. I mean, isn't it bad enough that I'm married to his cousin? But, what? Huh? We're already recording. Uh, crap. Hey, this is Patrick from the Paranormal Pativity Podcast, and I'm going to continue the story this way. Beginning of this story, you have a professor and his helper digging up in the desert for this, for the orb, the orb kills off one of the helpers when he touches it. So then it goes to this scene where obviously it's like New York. You get this guy named Harry, and he, he's like a he's a taxi driver. But like right away you look at him and you get the feeling of Bruce Willis. And this guy gets into his. asks him, Hey, are you are you available? So he gets in the cab. And right away tries to rob Henry Harry, excuse me, his name's Harry, and um Harry has this little button on his pedal, hits it, and disintegrates the guy, and takes his weapon uh, right away, you get this feeling cabby New Yorkerish kind of guy, straight fifth element feeling, you know what i mean i'm I'm like already feeling the fifth element here it's just, I'm wondering if this is where they got the idea for Fifth element like. This particular story. So, um, the next scene, there's these gangster guys. They kill the professor from before, and, um, they chase after his daughter, who knows the information where this orb is. So, as she tries to escape, she runs into Harry, and, uh, Harry is hesitant to pick her up, p- hesitant to pick her up, and, um, But does anyways, and he decides she passes out as he takes her to the police station. So it cracks me up because you know, the um cops, yeah, he he, like he tries to scan his way into the the police station, and they're like, uh, what's up? What do you want? And like, I want to report a murder. He's like, what's new? He's like, you let me in. (laughs) So right away, these hookers uh recognize uh, Harry and um he walks past them flips him the bird and then he talks to like just a regular officer police chief i don't know but this is what the police chief or officer had to say
5: i tell you I'm an american citizen i, I just lost my papers or something god legal aliens Before you go any further, pal, I gotta tell you it's cash up. A thousand bucks a day for a full investigation another thousand of the assailant is caught. You understand? Yeah. Hey, here's a dollar. Thanks
6: for nothing. You think you can do better? Okay.
4: So, he leaves and it cracks me up like at the beginning of this uh, clip. You know, it was, uh, these guys taking these taking this alien who was an actual alien, not a human, and he's like, "I swear, I'm i I'm a legal citizen. I don't I, I don't have my cards on me." And you know, he's like, fucking illegal aliens. So it shows you that <laughs> we're still fighting illegal aliens. <laughs> or, or it was an issue back then. It's an issue now. It's still relevant. That's funny, but it cracks me up. It's thousand dollars a day for them to investigate, and if they uh. If they um, apprehend someone, it's another $1,000. You got to pay because they arrested this guy? Wow, man, the future sucks, or this particular timeline sucks. So he ends up taking the girl home, and uh, she starts to wake up. Uh, he basically says, hey, there's beer in the fridge, and she's explaining about how, oh, I have this orb. they, I know where it's at. You know and and that's why they're after me, and I don't know what to do and he's like, "Yeah, well, wow, that's a crazy story. um, there's beer in the fridge, and you sleep on the couch. I'm gonna go to sleep now, and he jumps into bed, and <laughs> she comes over <laughs> and shes just like, "Harry, can I sleep with you?" and you know, of course, he's just like this beautiful girl, right, you know, bodacious boobies and that ass though and you know he's like yeah you know of course and so she unbuttons right and bam naked no underwear at all as my father-in-law would say ready set go she's ready she's it's there's no decision on this like are we gonna screw no it's hey look i'm naked now i all i had to do was unbutton these three buttons and i'm Butt-ass booty naked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, shit. And he's, the whole time he's monologuing. That's the other thing I didn't mention earlier, that Harry monologues the whole time. So, like, you know, there's certain times, there'll be a couple clips where he's monologuing in there in his head. And he's monologuing this whole time. Maybe this is the first time with a New Yorker. You know, maybe this time is the first time with an American. I gave her the red, white, and blue all night. Yeah, almost stood. So, the next morning, the girl was gone. And um, she uh, she must be like, you know, like one of those hit it and quit it type of girls, you know. Just, you know, I'm good. It was a booty call, right? So, the cop bust in and they have a little heart-to-heart with uh, Harry. And then right after, he runs into that one of the gangsters. So I'm gonna play a clip here, and in my terrible terror, this might be kind of a long clip. I really didn't want to do a long clip, but I'm gonna do a long clip. So just bear along, I kinda cut it down, but it wouldn't make no sense to play this clip and then put a little bit of nothing and then put another clip. So here's a long clip.
6: Where's the girl?
5: Where? What? What? What girl?
6: Don't play dumb with me, Cabby. You showed up at the station last night with a broad over your shoulder. Where is she?
5: Hey, I don't know what you're talking about.
6: Listen, Cabby. You hear from her. You call us. You don't... You're dead. Understand? Don't hold your breath, pal.
2: I'll get right to the point, Mr. Ganyan. My name is Radnik. ...represent a group of investors from a nearby planet who wish to purchase something from the young lady. Price is fair, but they're starting to get very restless. When you see her, tell her that time is running out. Thank you, Mr. Canyon. Good day.
4: Okay. So let's talk about something in that clip. So Rutnik sits in the back seat. He proposes what he's proposing here. And he lights a cigar. I mean, like, you know, that whole gangster thing, you know? Hey, yeah, you know, yeah, see, I got my cigar, see? And so he lights his cigar, takes about two puffs off of it, ends the conversation, and puts the cigarette out right on his seat. Like, first of all, Where's the respect for the upholstery, man? Second of all, how are you going to light up? You know, he's a gangster, too, you know, so it's probably like a Cuban cigar or something, right? Something illegal. He's a gangster, so it has to be illegal, right? So he takes the cigar to two puffs and puts it out on the seat? I mean, come on, man. What a wasteful bastard. Which must be happening in this world, because the next scene, Harry's uh, Harry, over there buying a hot dog monologuing to himself. Takes about a bite and a half And throws it out the freaking Window and takes off Oh man Anyways so Then he gets a message randomly from a flying Robot thing that The girl wants to meet with him and tells him Where to meet up So he um, He has to shake two of uh, Rutnik's men Kills them both And he meets uh, the, the girl at the top Of the Statue of Liberty
5: that's what all the excitement's about
2: i want to get rid of it harry i want this to be over i, I talked to Rudnick. he said he'd give me three hundred thousand 000 chrono dollars for it B- but i'm frightened i don't trust him yeah.
5: 300 grand is a lot of dough
2: will you help me
5: when she looked at me like that Ooh. i knew i couldn't say no i'll come along for 50 percent of the take
4: you can have anything you want. Just stay with me. You dizzy dame. So check this out. This dude kills your father for this item. Okay? You you wanna get away, you wanna get away, I gotta get away, save me, protect me. He killed my father. Hey, he's gonna offer me three hundred thousand dollars or whatever the hell money currency they say they use. And you know I, I, that's it, three hundred thousand now, I mean, I know this came out in the eighties, but like you're thinking even back then, you would have asked for like a million dollars or something right you know like, that's like um uh <laughs> uh was it Dr Evil was like, we'll ask him for one hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> and then later on, he goes in the past and. You know, we want $1 million. That hasn't even been invented yet. (laughs) But, like, 300000 and he killed your father and that's good enough? And you're willing to split 50% of it? You're going to split... So, okay, now you're not even going to get $300,000. Okay? You're going to get 150000 And that's okay because you're... you're, Even though the guy killed your father. Uh, I mean, okay. You know, I guess... I mean, you could probably... You probably could start farming and you know grow a whole bunch of corn trees with, with that kind of money, but you know what? I digress. So, um, they go to meet Rutnik, uh at at some bridge, and you know, uh, Harry's like, "I'll protect you, a dirty broad." Okay, he didn't say that part, but I added that. So they go for the exchange. She gets her three hundred thousand. He gets his orb, and um, they take off. Uh, So now Rutnik's there He opens up the container He sees the green orb He's enamored by it He grabs it And it vaporizes him Gone Dead See ya So (laughs) So now they drive off um, You know Harry and the girl I don't even think they ever really say her name I mean she has some nice boobs So I mean they're cartoon boobs But it's okay because they're nice boobs I mean they're not Jessica Rabbit boobs You know what I'm saying Like jessica rabbit i'm just okay maybe i said too much anyways so they, they ride off together in the cab and you know it's gonna be happy uh, happily ever after right
5: hey baby we're rich what do you say we take a trip hey just the two of us
6: i'd like to harry but i've made other
2: plans i'm taking it all pull over
5: are you sure this is what you want? Positive. Pretty, but dumb. You know, even though she would have killed me, I kind of felt sorry for her. It was okay. Just a little greedy. As for me, eh, I put it down as a two-day ride with one hell of a tip. So there you go.
4: That dizzy dame had no idea about that laser beam he had. That disintegrating ray. Ow. So so she's dead. And he has all the money. Happy ending for him. I mean, she got greedy. I mean, you'd think that, uh, you know, you know, hey, I gave it to her all night long. Hey, get a little bit of Andrew Dice Clay in there, hey, you know? You know what I'm saying? Hey, I'm a Gabby, and I just gave it this, gave this girl the old red, white, and blue. You know what I'm saying? But I guess that wasn't good enough for her, and she wanted the money. But now she's dead. So the guy's dead. Her dad's dead. Or she's dead. Redneck's dead. The green orb's on the loose. But pff, Harry's rich as a fucking hell, man. So that's the end of that story. And I just want to say, congratulations, Terrible Terror Podcast, Brian, on 100 episodes. It's awesome. This podcast has grown and become such a big thing. It's connected so many of us and uh, opened up my podcast world a lot more, uh, even though we podcast on other things together. But that this is, you know, I've met so many more cool people through your podcast doing Terrible Terror and just keep it up. Awesome shows, and you know, keep the corn trees and the I digress. This is going, man.
0: Deuces. And so that was the story for Harry Canyon as told by Paranormal Pat. Thanks for doing the review, I really appreciate it, but I digress. Your accent seemed to go from Australian to something else that I can't quite put my finger on, and I'll make sure to keep the corn trees fucking growing in my backyard. So. <laughs> From there we then see the Lochnar, and he's all happy with himself because he's ruined everything for the poor girl. And yes, I should say that Pat was actually right in that segment that the character's name was Girl. She didn't really have anything else. Uh everybody else seemed to have a name but her, and she was kind of an integral part to the story. I always thought that it was weird that she jumped right away too, like she was like, Oh, you saved me, so I'm gonna have sex with you, which is a running theme in a couple of these episodes or these stories uh, girls and sex seem to just happen right away and happen after they've been like saved or taken away or something with them so from here we see the Lochnar, he's getting all prepared and he's telling the girl that we see at the beginning of the story uh, you know exactly and helping transition to the next story uh, on the list
1: you had your first lesson young one. My evil corrupts the most innocent. I have chosen you because you possess powers you do not yet understand. Look again. Look deep into me. In some worlds, I am worshipped as God.
0: God, no, this is God. Fucking, I love that line so much. That's the only thing I could think of whenever I heard the end of this, and now whenever I hear this. Uh, but, uh, it's weird that we get the transition from this to the next story, which is Den. And Den is probably, I think growing up, was probably also one of my favorites out of all of these ones. There are three in particular, and like I said, the B-17 one has grown into one of my favorites, probably taking over Den, but there's a reason why with this one. Now this is more of a sci-fi type story, a little little sci-fi fantasy, right? Because it's about a kid that gets taken back into, into a different world where he's transformed into something completely different. And... This one is a film that I really, or not film, but a story that I think that I connected to because in the world that he came from, he was a nerdy kid, and I was a nerdy kid growing up, all, all the stuff I liked, and the way that I viewed myself, and having glasses at such a young age, and, you know, being shunned by the women, and every, um, I mean, by being a normal human boy at that age who didn't have anything wrong with him and any insecurities towards any women whatsoever uh, when he was a teenager, so... It was one of those situations where I think I connected to it. And plus, even though in the first story you heard John Candy, this was like one of the two that John Candy is the main voice for. And I was so obsessed with him back then that it was so cool to always hear him in this section and to have him play a character that I felt like I really connected to and that probably I wanted to connect to because of what goes on. But for Den, hey Dave, why don't you
7: take this one away? Testing, testing, one, two, seven. Is this thing on? Oh, it is? (laughs) Well, what's up then? This is Phantom Dark Dave. You know me. I'm the host from Dave's Pop Culture Podcast. And I have the privilege of covering one of these segments of Brian's Terrible Terror Podcast heavy metal event. And this one's called Din. We start off with our main character letting us know about the bullshit he's about to get into. It all started
5: when I found the green meteorite. I read in Faraday's Life of the Planets that smaller ones like this are supposed to burn up when they enter the atmosphere. But for some reason, this one didn't. So I brought it up to my room, stuck it in my rock collection, and forgot about it. I was experimenting with natural electricity, and with the storm warnings up, I figured maybe tonight I'd hit the jackpot. All I needed was a little juice.
7: That's right, so he discovers his meteorite, and takes it upstairs, and there's a lightning storm? What do you, fucking Barry Allen the Flash? So, he has this up here, of course it conducts electricity, lightning crashes through the window, and he gets teleported through time, through space, to a whole nother world, and alas, when he wakes up, He's not that scrawny little nerd he was. No, and don't get me wrong, he's not Melvin who turns into the Toxic Avenger. No, he turns into this dude that looks like a cross between Shaquille O'Neal and Christopher Judge, who, in case you don't know, Christopher Judge plays Tilk on Stargate SG-1. But that's beside the point. What is the point is he covers up his dick because he is naked, but then he hears some commotion and he leans down to notice there's about to be a sacrifice.
6: By the power! Of the glowing lochnar placed in your idol's hand, I demand you come forth, Hulotek.
8: Grant me your strength in return for a living mortal sacrifice. It has been ordained.
2: Come
7: forth, Hulotek. I demand it. What'd they do that for? And of course, that doesn't sit well with him, so he dives in the water like he's fucking Aquaman. Is that another DC reference? I love this job. And so now that he's rescued her, he's starting to realize she don't look that bad. Thank you.
5: She had the most beautiful eyes. I wanted to make some conversation, but I found my new self asking the same old stupid questions. Are you from around here?
1: Well, you may not believe this, but I'm from another world, from a place called Earth.
5: Earth? I, too, am from Earth.
1: My name is Catherine Wells, and I'm from the British colony of Gibraltar.
2: You saved my life. I have no reward to give you, but if any part of me pleases your senses, I would give it to you.
7: But just as quickly as things appeared to start, they're ended by a group of cockblockers who show up, and they take him, and they take her, and they're escorted away to this dark castle where they're split up, and that's when Den wonders, what the hell is going on?
5: I wanted to find out where they've taken Catherine, but none of these guys seem to speak English.
1: They tell me you are Den of Earth. The one who dared to steal the female sacrifice from the queen.
5: This guy was a shrimp, so I figured I'd play it tough.
1: Where is the girl? I am Ard, supreme leader of the revolution and the next ruler of the world. The girl. Well, aren't we fierce? Guards castrate him.
7: Uh Uh-oh. And that's when Din shows how badass he really is, because he beats the shit out of all the surrounding guards and turns the gun over on Ard. Ard laughs, and so Din shoots him three times, Get boom, 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 bullet holes in his chest, and Ard just laughs it off. That's when Din realizes, this ain't gonna work. I'm not gonna be able to kill him. No wonder he's their leader. And so instead, Ard says, if you're really interested in the girl, she's over there. And we see her laying in a glass case. And that's when Din wants to know what it will take to get her.
1: What do you want of me? I want you to steal the sacred Lochnar. What is this Lochnar? The Queen's glowing sphere, you fool. The sacrifice to Ulatek can only be performed by the possessor of the sacred Lochnar. Noral! This is Noral, my bravest warrior. You will go with him to the Queen's castle and steal the Lochnar. Then I will give you the girl. And if I refuse. If you refuse, you die. She
7: dies. Everybody dies. Sounded reasonable to me. And so Din begins his journey over to the Queen's Castle. You see him cutting through the desert. And when they reach the Queen's Castle, they realize it's heavily guarded. So they decide to go. They basically go underground. They go through some tunnels and some of the men get eaten by a giant. It's like this alligator. It's like you're playing Resident Evil 2, but the alligator's teeth are about 16 inches long. Yeah, not six. Sixteen. And so they get finally to the point where they need to split up. And so Din cuts into the queen's door. It's a dark, scary cave. He's reaching around for the lights. And his hands lay on a pair of double-D breasts. <laughs> Why not? It makes sense in this cartoon. But she's not having it. And so... She tells her guards to kill him, so everybody wants to kill Din. So Din does what Din does best, and he starts beating the shit out of her guards, and as he does this, he gets himself into a position where he's about to get his throat cut, but I guess this triggers the hormones of the queen because she's like, you know what, on second thought, let me have him. I know what I want to do. And so she takes him back behind closed doors and gives him another deal of a lifetime. He's like the luckiest dude that I know. Except I don't really know him. But that's okay. And she's like, I'll tell you what. I won't kill you if you fuck me crazy and please me all the right ways. And he's like, man, 18 years and I ain't get nothing. I was here for one day and it's happening twice. And so, yeah, sure enough, they get it on like Donkey Kong. Everything is great, hot and heavy. He thinks he's the bee's knees. But that's when the guards bust through and announce that the Loch Nahr has been stolen
9: majesty the lochnar is missing stolen fiend you make love to me while your accomplice steals my scepter no
10: Ard will perform the sacrifice gods take him hold him still i will kill him myself
5: boy
7: was she pissed off oh. But he manages to pull one of the guards in the way, she stabs him in the head, he fights his way out of there, he gets the fuck out of dodge like a dude who said he was wearing a condom but he came inside the pussy and he realized the jig was up. He jumps and does a front flip off the building, crashes into the water, and that's whenever he basically notices homegirl's about to get sacrificed and he better do something. And so Ben dresses up like one of the guards in a cloak, and just as they go to toss her in, he grabs her, pulls her close. Ard freaks out, he runs up to the top of the castle and he's gonna retrieve the Loch Nahr, and that's when the Queen says no it's mine so then they start fighting back and forth over it and they're pretty stupid because they're giving Ben all the chance in the world to escape but Ben's like nah I'm gonna handle my business and so he notices hey look there's a lightning storm deja freaking vu and so he grabs a chain wraps it around the arrow he throws it all the way up and it lands right above their heads Lightning strikes, hits that chain, goes all the way up, and basically disintegrates the Lochnar, which causes the Queen and Ard to also disintegrate, and then what's left of the Lochnar just comes rolling down the stairs. And that's when we hear it, and we get the final clip.
5: They're gone. That's all that matters. They probably went back to Earth. Boy, will mom be surprised.
2: The Lochnar. You could have the power of Rulatech. You could be ruler of all these people.
6: Forget it.
1: But
5: then, with the Loch Nahr, you could have returned to Earth. I like it better here. On Earth, I'm nobody.
7: But here... I'm Din. And that's it. That wraps up the segment of Din. So, what did you think? Did you like it? Well, how about I tell you what I think? So, on Brian's show, he usually gives a rating, so I'm going to give this segment a rating. Let's see, I don't really care for fantasy that much, so obviously this was the perfect segment for me to cover. But he did kind of look like Tilk, and I love Stargate. And there was some desert scenes, but they never did find a Stargate. It wasn't bad. There was a lot of cool things in it. There was some violence. Okay, I'm going to give this three out of five Paul Rubens. And you're probably wondering what Paul Rubens? There was no Paul Rubens in here. Okay, well, selfish plug. If you want to know why I said Paul Rubin, go listen to the terrible terror holiday episode, which Brian and I did together on this very podcast. That's right, selfish plug. And here's another one. If you liked what you heard here, come check out my podcast, Dave's Pop Culture Podcast. On with the show!
9: Sir, whip, sir, whip, whip,
7: God damn it, Dave,
0: you just had to put that in there at the end, didn't you? Ah, uh, and I never knew that Ben ended up in the episode when it was Den Dave. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for leading us through that. And like I said, there are some really cheesy things there. Uh, definitely some stuff that kind of moves quickly. Especially when they talk about the guy in the underneath part when you're going through the caves. And talk about the monster that's down there, like the alligator platypus thing. And then, as Dave made the reference to it, where he has teeth that are six. No. 16 inches long uh and then it shows up and it's like fucking monty python the holy grail where it just pops up for a second and then all of a sudden kills one guy and goes away uh and then again everybody's fucking naked queen's naked dude's naked, and every time oh hey i just met you for the first time let's have sex like (laughs) it's a fucking running thing in this whole fucking thing anyway so from here we see the lochnar break off the scepter Uh, And it didn't disintegrate, Den. Or, Den. Dave. (laughs) I'm going to start calling you Den now. Uh, (laughs) But it didn't disintegrate. It just happened to make them disappear, and then the sphere rolls down the stairs, uh, attached to the scepter. And it breaks free of the scepter, and that's where it starts transitioning to the next scene.
6: Even when
1: someone has the strength to discard me, my power is not diminished.
0: So this is definitely one of the ones that I gravitated to right away, and this is the story of Captain Stern. Now, Captain Stern's story, if this was to be remade, and anyway, I'm not talking about that heavy metal 2000 bullshit that came out where they tried to do something with Jenna Jamison or whatever, she tried to be like a legitimate actress instead of just being a porn actress. I, I really don't give a shit about that. That thing is fucking horrible. But if they really tried to redo scenes from this, this is one that I would love redone with Billy West in the role of Captain Stern. Now, Eugene Levy is the voice, and I'm pretty sure that our podcaster that's going to do this may have made notice of that. but I didn't realize that he was the voice of Captain Stern for this episode. And I love it because it's ridiculous, it's the most comedic out of everything, and... I don't know. Let's, let's have Richard from the Bizarre Cast. Why doesn't he tell us a little more about Captain Stern?
2: 99 terrible
1: episodes.
11: One terrible host. bringing you the 100 episode A Heavy Metal Review Introducing Richard of The Bizarre Cast thank you everybody thank you for the applause i thought for the special 100 episode brian finally deserved a decent intro and not that crap that he's been peddling for the last 99 episodes so to introduce myself i am richard of the bizarre cast that's b a z w a r cast not to be confused with that other irish guy that has previously been on the show the fear merchant we don't know who that guy is anymore but today Brian, a sincerest congratulations for making it to episode 100 of the Terrible Terror podcast. Most people packed this up after about 10 episodes and you've given us 10 times the abysmal filth that you've been peddling over the last three years or so. But the day you asked us on, we are compartmentalized into digging and dissecting The Heavy Metal movie. Uh, My background with Heavy Metal is I watched it at a house party while it was on the background. So I didn't get to listen to the awesome Heavy Metal soundtrack as the title would suggest. But I have gotten the position today of looking at Captain Stern or Hanover Fist. It is a trial scene but we are going to take a look as Hanover Fist is asked up to the stands while captain stern is in the bleachers ready to hear his sentencing hanover fist a character witness let's have a listen
5: but the prosecutor's got you cold you're as guilty as a cat in a goldfish bowl the prosecution calls hanover fist
8: calling hanover fist hanover fist calling hanover fist Fist. listen stern change the plea to guilty throw yourself on the mercy of the court
1: I told you, Charlie, I got an angle.
8: But the most we can hope for is to get you buried in secrecy so your grave don't get violated. Plead guilty.
1: Shut up, Charlie. I got an angle.
9: What angle?
11: So at this stage, Captain Stern with his giant crimson chin, something like Buzz Lightyear, he's in his captain's uniform. His lawyer's like, come on, what's happening? so hanover fist a meek looking gentleman what is his plan he turns what is the angle it's
1: him state your name for the record i am
12: hanover fist you know the defendant captain stern yes i know captain stern and never did there live a kinder more generous man
1: I promised him 35,000 Zuleks to testify on my behalf.
12: He's an overflowing cup filled with the very cream of human goodness. In all the time I've known him, he's never done anything immoral.
6: See? Unless maybe the preschooler's prostitute ring.
11: So at this stage... Hanover Fist seems to be bulging a little bit. A little bit of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde about him. So let's just have a listen and see where Captain Stern's key character witness ends up.
12: And he's uh, never done anything illegal. Unless uh, I'll you count
6: all the times he's so dope disguised as a nun.
12: <laughs> he's always been a good law-abiding citizen oh give me a break
11: so his head keeps getting bigger now and there's something bursting forth inside him as he's pushing back and forth this green orb everyone in the stands all the courts, they're looking nervous as hell as he is throwing Captain Stern under the bus
12: of the Federation and shut up, shut up, shut up up A community conscious individual. Stan,
1: he's nothing but a low down, double dealing,
8: backstabbing, larcenous, perverted world. Hagan's too good for him. Burning's too good for him. He should be torn a little bit of pieces
11: and buried alive. So at this stage, Hanover has turned into the incredible Hulk of sorts. If you have listened to past episodes of the Terrible Terror podcast, you will know in Rob Zombie's Halloween, this guy has the tarred strength of Michael Myers. You've got you to see it to believe it. There's a, there's a clip on YouTube. We're just going to have a listen and see what happens.
2: Uh, 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 uh!
11: Talk over the banging heavy metal right now. He's pushing, he looks like Hulk. He has had his corn trees. He's eating those corn trees like no one would believe. But this is pretty much the They'll end of the easy. I'm I'm sure we can talk this over. We got a Hulk smash. He's smashing through. Captain Stern, he's running away. And now, the true is revealed.
2: Okay, Hanover. You've had this coming. Let's see. 33, 34, 35,000 Zulex. Thanks, Hanover.
1: It's nothing, boss. And Hanover. Yes? Goodbye.
11: He jets him off into space after paying him. It was all a ruse to get rid of the courts. But that is Captain Stern. And it goes nicely down into take a ride the next scene after that. So... I don't know who is in the rotation here but that is pretty much the captain stern it's a nice cool looking piece the animation style i'm not really too much of a fan it seems like it's missing a lot of frames but it is kind of cool what happens but yeah a cheeky trope this captain stern he's a bit of a messer but that is my clip i must leave you here brian once again congratulations on making it this far i'm so glad i could be a part of your journey to episode 100. I'm just on your heels. We are currently at episode 62. Over at the Bazaar. So have a look out. Brian until the next 100. Wishing you the very best of luck. Here at the Bazaar. Down in Sydney Australia. And don't forget New York. Robert Christopher also. There's two of us in that cramped little space of Bazaar. Take it easy people. And enjoy the rest of this episode one. 100 celebration take it away
0: well thanks richard Uh, and i appreciate all the comments and you were the very first guest that ever came on this episode so it was more than appropriate to have you do a section of it and jesus christ you guys in the fucking corn trees are fucking killing me with this (laughs) so that is captain stern and captain stern like i said it's a very (laughs) Like, it's a tongue-in-cheek, and just like Richard said there, it's very cheeky, right? It's not meant to be taken super serious, everything that goes on is relatively funny, the animation is very, like, cartoonish in nature, nothing is overtly serious, there's a little extra violence in that episode, but it's really just meant to be that way, and then eventually when he does get taken and thrown out into space, he burns up, which leads us into our next episode, uh, but before then, we hear the Lochnar explains that even in death, he is all-powerful. Very few escape my grasp.
6: Even in death, my powers continue.
0: Now, before we go on, this is probably one of the most iconic songs in the entire series, is this, because it's been used in a lot. But the music so far, which I haven't really even touched on are some of the greatest heavy metal artists that you've had at that period in time. And even some of the other artists that are included aren't necessarily heavy metal, but the music all blends together. I mean, you've had Stevie Nicks, Journey, Riggs, Blue Oyster Cult, we've got Dio later on, Sammy Hagar, Uh, and you have one of the most iconic songs, like I was saying, in this episode in B-17, and probably what is used quite a bit, which is heavy metal taken around by Don Felder. Uh, when you really think of the movie, there are probably two songs that you really connect to it. And this is one of the ones. And like I said, the only true horror, like, short in the entire film, which... When I was first watching this movie, I really didn't have that connection to this. I thought, oh, cool, skeletons, okay, zombies, whatever. You know, it's one of those things where it's just kind of like, uh... But I felt like it was just, like, a middle-of-the-road, like in between but going through it multiple times since then i really love the art direction and the style that this one was taken i love that it has those creepy horror elements that it's still even though i'm watching it on a tv screen you have a sense of dread while you're watching it and you know what andy from black cat shadow why don't you take away with b17
13: hey everybody this is andy from the black cat shadow podcast I want to thank Brian for inviting me to be a part of his 100th episode. That is such an awesome milestone. So congrats, Brian. And I'm going to be taking on the segment of B17. And it's been a while since I've seen heavy metal. So, uh, it's good to, to, uh, get this one rewatched. Uh, and I was especially excited to do this segment B17 because, uh, uh, the writer was Dan O'Bannon and you might recognize him. From being the writer of other classics such as *Alien*, *Aliens*, and *Total Recall* with Arnold Schwarzenegger, so that was really cool. Um, so we start off the segment with a uh, a voiceover. Uh, I guess it's the Lochnar, the green glowing ball that's kind of featured throughout the movie. Even in death, my powers continue. So that kind of gives you a heads up as to what you're going to get with this segment, Life After Death. Okay, so we start off with the opens on a squadron of bombers in World War II, and um, we center in on one of the bombers nicknamed the Pacific Pearl, and they are making a bombing run. As we see, they're taking a lot of heavy fire from the ground. We kind of get, like, a view of all the different people on the plane at their stations. And then, like, one by one, like, different, pretty much almost everyone except for the pilot and co-pilot get killed by the, the shots being fired up at the plane. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny, like, the one guy on the radio, he gets shot up, and he's, like, grabbing on his arm as he's dying, and it's like dude, you've been shot up like you got shot in the head or something. So it's like, but you're like grabbing your arm. <laughs> I guess the most painful part of that got shot. I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, yeah. And the music in the background that we're hearing throughout this clip is Heavy Metal Taken a Ride by Don Felder, if you're curious about the music. Okay, so they they successfully dropped their bombs. You know, we see them dropping their payload. And then they kind of fly away from the heavy art fire Uh the pilot and co-pilot do. And the pilot, he's like, I'm going to go check things out. I think we are pretty bad, Skip You better go back and see how bad it is Okay Can you keep her in the air, Skip? Yeah, yeah, sure So anyway, so the, the copilot, he goes back You know, into the back of the plane And he sees the radio guy first And, you know, sees him with a wound in his eye You know, got shot in the head And then he goes back To uh, check on the other gunners And he finds the two In the main compartment They're dead, and he's knocking on the the compartment below the plane he's not getting the answer but then we see from outside shot that the the gunner there is also dead and then he goes back to the back of the plane with the last gunner and uh you know swivels him around the guy's still in the cherry swivels him around the guy falls over his guts are falling out so that's pretty gruesome and then he looks out the the back of the plane and notices a green ball following the plane.
14: Skip, something's following us. What is it? It's some some kind of green meteorite. What? Where?
13: And then the uh, you know he thinks it's a green. He you know, radios up to the and says, "Hey, there's a green meteorite that's following the plane." And then the this green ball it rams into the plane, and then the copilot gets knocked over by some cancers that fall over onto him. You know, the pilot's like, hey, are you okay? And the co-pilot's like, yeah, I'm fine. But he doesn't actually push the button to talk. He just talks and the pilot hears him over the radio. I thought that was funny.
14: Oh, are you okay? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm coming back, Skip.
13: Uh, but then we see Lochnar, the green ball, uh, doing something to the dead bodies and, uh, they start transforming into something and they're like, we see the hand of one turning into something monstrous. And then as the co-pilot's walking back towards the front of the plane, he notices that the bodies are gone. Then the co-pilot hears a noise from that compartment below, at the bottom of the plane where that, the other gunner had died. So he opens up the compartment door to check on the noise and these zombie fight hands reach up and grab him and pull him into the compartment We you see him being thrown about and blood splatter on the window of the compartment what the hell's happening back there pilot hears this and he's like what's going on so he puts the plane in the autopilot mode and goes back to check it out and as he turns around and opens up the door to the rest of the plane There's zombies there, we see the rest of the crew have been turned into zombies, and so he uh shuts the door and but the zombies are starting to bust through it, so he takes out his gun and shoots at him a couple of times, but it doesn't really do anything you know, of course, they are zombies, I mean I guess he didn't know to aim for their head, but then he uh parachutes out of the plane into safety, or so he thinks, so I was wondering what happened to the plane. It just kind of was flying away, but it didn't sh- it doesn't show it like crash and everything so I wonder what that's about or if they just didn't include it but anyway the pilot lands on a an island and on this island he starts walking around and exploring and what does he find he finds a multitude of downed airplane warplanes in uh, states of decay like they've been there for a while so he's walking around checking out it looks like something is still stirring in these planes And yes, we see that this is probably not the first time that this has happened as there are zombified pilots coming out of all the other planes and surround him to presumably have him for dinner.
2: Ah!
13: And that is the end of this segment. Once again, I want to thank Brian for including me to be a part of this episode, this 100th episode. It's a great milestone for his show, and once again, I'm from the Black Hat Shadow Podcast. You can find me um on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all the apps that you listen to podcasts on, you can find me. Once again, congratulations on the 100th episode, Brian.
0: Hey, thanks, Andy. Thanks for going through the episode. Uh, I've really loved everybody's style so far. Everybody's doing something a little different, but something a little bit similar, so That one is probably one of the shortest ones that are on the list next to Captain Stern. But, like I said, the aspect of horror in that one is really, really good. I love the way the animation, especially on the zombie skeletons, and especially after Skip, the the pilot that survives, crash lands into the island and you see all the zombies suddenly coming out. It also has one of the shortest transitions in between episodes. Really, the Captain Stern one is pretty short as well. But this one literally it focuses in on the Lochnar, and then it, or on his situation. There actually is no Lochnar in between, and that's where we start going into the next episode.
1: From one war to another, my influence is always present. The paltry armies of the universe are but playthings to me.
0: I like how they went and blended what he said into the actual song as well. Uh so this last episode's before we get to the one the major and I keep saying episode but this last story I should say before we get to the big overarching story of everything and th- we really haven't seen the girl for a while either. We've really just seen the Lochnar transition in between each story since uh the really the den story that's about when it stopped going back to the girl. Uh, and her like screaming and crying because the Lochnar was getting bigger and bigger with the power. So we transition to this one and it's so beautiful and so dangerous. And this one is really honestly out of all of them probably the most out of place. Like I really don't know what the Lochnar has to do with anything except for the beginning of it where they're talking about how the radiation that's coming from outer space is turning people into mutants. Uh... And they said that from one war to another. Like, what war is going on in this one? Because honestly, this one is just <laughs> what I remember the most: aliens getting high, robots having sex with women, and them traveling through a really trippy part of space. Which is great. This is literally the stoner episode out of the or the stoner story. God damn it! I keep saying it out of all of the ones uh, that are in this film. So, without further ado, to tell us about so beautiful, so dangerous. Uh, let's hear from the angry dad himself. Never, never, never die.
3: Never, never die. All right, it is Wednesday. All right, I don't know what fucking day it is. All I know is, uh, 1053. I gotta get ready for it and all that fucking bullshit. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to Terrible Terror Podcast. one hundred spectacular fucking episode. He reached out to me and asked me if I would help him out, which I would gladly fucking do any day of the fucking week. So congratulations, brother, for reaching 100th episode and keep this shit going fucking strong. All right. So if you're listening to this, you're probably wondering who the fuck am I listening to while this is the angry motherfucking dad. And I am doing so beautiful, so fucking dangerous for heavy fucking metal. Alright. And in this movie, you have a lineup of people. I'm like, God, motherfucking damn. It's John, motherfucking candy as the robot. Zeke, Harold, Remus from fucking Ghostbusters. Eugene Levy. If you don't know who the fuck Eugene Levy is, go fuck yourself. Alright. Right off top. Cause he plays two fucking people in this fucking movie. Allison Playton. She was in quite a bit of fucking animation movies. So if you ever get a chance, check it the fuck out because she played in quite a few. Alright. John. Flirty, I don't know if I'm saying that fucking right, but who gives a fuck? But that's the guy from Adam Sandler, happy fucking Gilmore, jackass. I love that fucking guy. So, let's get into this fucking movie. Alright, this is so beautiful, it's so dangerous. It starts off with this fucking jackass getting out of a fucking car, being chased down by reporters, all the shit, being asked about green fucking radiation causing fucking mutants mutants being spotted and he's like god motherfucking damn what the fuck am i supposed to fucking do about this fucking bullshit so as he continues on all right he goes into the fucking what looks like to be the pentagon goes into a fucking war room style fucking place People are going, what the fuck is going on? What are we supposed to fucking do? Fucking people are growing extra fucking arms. There's green radiation coming from space. What the fuck is going on? Well, this dude's like, check it the fuck out. We are the smartest motherfucking people in the universe. Smartest fucking people in the world. There ain't nobody else out there. And don't worry about this shit because I got it. And because he said he got it, everyone's like, all right, cool. Chilling. We good. And so as he's continuing on, the fucking bitch across the ways, the fucking stenographer, as she's fucking recording everything down, got the fucking amulet of the fucking Stagar or whatever the fuck it is. It's the green fucking orb causing all this fucking random bullshit to fucking happen. And it starts glowing and he starts tripping, starts pulling on his collar like what the fuck he's about to get at this fucking bitch. All right, He jumps across the motherfucking table, grabs her, starts groping her, getting on her. He's about to get busy up in this motherfucker. But then all of a sudden, a fucking spaceship shows up. This spaceship shows up right above it. And this motherfucker's huge because it blacks out the whole fucking Pentagon. And let me fucking tell you something right now. This fucking tube that comes down this motherfucker, why in the fucking has got a, dr- a saw? A saw. A circular saw that comes out of the tube. There's gotta be so many things because the fucking tube is fucking see-through. I don't fucking get it, but you know what? That's cartoon fucking logic for you. And anyways, if it's a fucking alien, why would they have a fucking saw? Wouldn't they just have a fucking laser beam or a teleporter or whatever the fuck it is that they're supposed to have by this now, by this fucking time? Alright, as easy as that. An interesting fucking fact. July 29th, 1981 is when this motherfucker came out. And guess what? That's my birthday just a year before fucking four. So this came out right before I was fucking born. So if you do the fucking math, you'll figure out how fucking old I am. So go fuck yourself. Alright? Next thing. As this motherfucker's being sucked up this fucking tube that just been drilled down with a fucking saw out of a fucking clear fucking tube... Get sucked the fuck up. And then the bitch gets sucked the fuck up too. And as she's getting fucking sucked up and he's getting sucked up, the fucking guy comes out the fucking bottom, out of the fucking tube first and fucking just falls the fuck apart. And then the robot playing John Candy's like, check it the fuck out. Why y'all got a little fucking so hard on this fucking dude? Cause now I gotta put his dumb ass back together. And as he's gotta put his dumb ass back together, he's like fucking bullshit and then just drops the fucking body down into the fucking trap door. But at, right after that fucking happens, this bitch comes right fucking down. I think her name is Gloria. And then she comes the fuck down, alright? Now check this the fuck out. She's more worried about her dry cleaning, her fucking clothes. Bitch, you just been abducted by fucking aliens. By fucking aliens. Do you not understand the concept of that? To your fucking knowledge, for, at least to my knowledge, they don't know nothing about no fucking hands. Even though they're in this war room, she's probably hearing a whole bunch of shit. I don't know what the fuck she's hearing, but at the same fucking time, it's like, God, motherfucking damn. Don't worry about your fucking clothes. Be worried about being abducted. But no, she's like, who's going to pay for my fucking dry cleaning? All right, who's paying for my dry... Who's going to worry about my clothes? And he's like, well, you know... And she's like, I want to go home. Well, you can't because there's this, uh, disturbance on the outside of the field, the molecular structure, and all this fucking bullshit. And she's like, Really? looks at the other fucking two aliens, which is not robots, and goes, really? And she goes, yeah, and he fucking robot blinks his fucking eye. Literally, it's a blink, all right? He doesn't have an eyelid, it just blinks. And he's like, oh, I got it, you know? And he's like, let me go fucking take you somewhere to go check this the fuck out. And she's like, well, I got a gynecologist appointment, I got to be at my mom's house. And he just said, you ain't going nowhere, you fucking stuck here. So, as this motherfucking continues on... The fucking alien is like, leave it up to the fucking robot to fucking snag the first Earth bitch we fucking get. Fucking, and he's just like, ah, fuck it, oh well. And as they're fucking driving off, he's like, hey, we got that, fu-. and this is what I'm going to call it. I've always called it Space Coke, it's fucking Space Coke. He got this machine, it's laying it fucking down, and two stripes all the way around. These motherfuckers are like, go for broke. If I'm going to do it, do it fucking right, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to do more than the eight ball, that's how they fucking talking. All right. So what what is happening is the fucking alien's nose sticks out... The other alien's nose is on top of his fucking head... And they're all nose fucking dive And just start snorting his fucking shit up... And you know what? They gotta be fucking fast... Because that's no, that was a lot of fucking coke on the fucking floor... Easy as fucking that... So what ends up happening is these motherfuckers are stoned to the bone... And they're fucking driving, tripping balls... And he goes, are you good to drive? I was like, motherfucker, I can drive stone... Ain't nobody can drive fucking stone... But he's doing his fucking business... Alright, cut to the fucking next fucking scene... You got the fucking robot and this bitch laying fucking naked as fuck. All right. Titty's fucking hanging out. Red bush right fucking there because it's 81. And he's like, you know, sp- hand spinning around, gave her the fucking double spin, the double finger spinner Rooney. And she's fucking loving it. And she's all, you know, like, uh. You know, I can't believe I did this, blah, 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 blah. So I got a boyfriend, and you know what? The fucking answer, who's fucking tripping? It's all fucking good. And I don't know how much fucking time lapse or how long they're fucking in space, because the next fucking scene is, they're fucking like, we should get married. And the fucking girl's like, I'm not going to marry you because you're a robot and I'm a woman. All right? I can come home, you would be banging the fucking toaster, which I fucking respect, because he might. All right? But at the end of the fucking day, they're like, all right, she agrees. And when she agrees... She tells him, I'm having a Jewish fucking wedding. He's like, oh, fuck. He's a fucking robot. He's a fucking robot. He ain't fucking no religion, but it is what it fucking is. And then all of a sudden she has the fucking audacity that's, oh, I forgot. Are you circumcised? Bitch, he's a fucking robot. You can see he's got no fucking clothes on. All right. You want him to circumcise his fucking finger so he gives you the double Rooney with a fucking bald tip on his fucking finger? Fuck. Fuck. But, you know what? I always remember this episode. I always remember this fucking pot, uh, this fucking scene. It always stuck with me as long as I fucking seen this movie. Because when I saw this movie, I had to sneak it in. My uncle, came to the- came home. He had a blank fucking tape. He's like, I can't watch this. It's not for you. And guess the fuck what I was going to do. I was watching this. As soon as he fucking left, I went through his fucking room, found this fucking shit, watched this shit, and had my fucking mind blown. Because this was the craziest fucking shit I've ever fucking seen. The animation, the way the characters are, the way the voices are, the way it's all designed. I was like, blown me the fuck away. And I've seen a, a, a few heavy metal magazines, but the fucking movie... Unbelievable, Heavy metal, fucking 2000. You know what? That shit can go fuck itself because it's not this. It's not how this was made. It's not the grittiness, the characters, the fucking, the way the banter is. You know what? I just love this fucking movie. This movie was just a classic to me, classic to my heart. And you know what? It's a great fucking movie. All right? Get a chance. Go check it the fuck out. But make sure you watch it on an older fucking TV because this new TV fucking bullshit fucks it up for everybody. Easy as fucking that. But you know what? Like I said, cast, Hardcore. Fucking podcast. This shit's whole po- shit's hardcore. I liked it. So, pa- terrible terror. Keep it the fuck up. Keep it fucking going. Keep it fucking strong. Cause I enjoy this fucking podcast. I enjoy everything you fucking do. And you know what? Thank you for letting me do this. Alright? This is Angry Motherfucking Dad. I'll see y'all motherfuckers later. Fuck. Never die. Oh, 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 always living. Oh, oh, always living. Oh, oh,
10: always living.
0: Oh, oh, always living. Always living. Well. God damn, thanks, Ben. <laughs> that up my motherfucker quotient for the uh, podcast by like 15 or some shit like that. <laughs> but, you know, we think exactly like Heavy Metal 2000 go suck a fucking dick, man. So, yeah, this one, it's just really weird because there's a lot of like flying through space, psychedelic bullshit. There's the whole thing, he caught everything that I was like. Man, even, like, thinking back then, like, circumcision, why the fuck do you need to have that robot circumcised? Like, he's not using a fucking robo-dick, he's using a fucking hand. He's just basically finger-banging you the entire time. You know, you're gonna fucking eventually strap a dildo to him or something like that. But a lot of it is them flying through fucking space and, like, all the weird trippy colors because they're stoned out of their fucking mind while these two go in the back and he fucking robot bangs or finger-bangs her the entire time. So... It's an interesting episode, and, and I guess I did skip over the part that the Lochnar is actually on her, like, little necklace, but that's really it. It really has no influence over anything. What fucking war? Like, was it the fact that the aliens were coming down? That's what I originally thought, but there's nothing. So, it's one of those ones where it's good. I really enjoy this one, but it feels so out of place to the rest of it. But, just like everything else, it's all different types of you know, stories that they gathered from all the heavy metal magazines to put together, just like I grabbed a bunch of different podcasters and put everybody together for this episode. So, from there, we transition one last time into our final opus of the story, which happens to be the story of Tarna.
1: My stories are almost over. I have chosen you because you are the future who could destroy me with your death i break the chain for all time look into me one final time see my evil destroy your race then prepare to die
0: okay first off why is evil always so fucking dumb like, seriously, we go into this situation, and he's like, I'm telling you all of this because you could pose a threat to me, but I want to show you how fucking powerful I am. Even though this last story was just about fucking stoners, I want to make sure that you know exactly what I'm going to do to you and how I did all this stuff, instead of just fucking killing her right here and right now. Be like, look... Like, have your fucking hand on her neck, crushing her fucking throat, like, or starting to slit her in half, or do whatever you're going to do, and then fucking tell her the story. Like, get her in the throes of death and let her see. Instead of being like, oh, I'm so overly confident, and I'm gonna know that I'm going to win this, because you think you're telling a story. This is the only story that somehow happens concurrently at the same time that he's ravaging this girl. Like, because the outcome that happens in this story, of course, is going to save the fucking day, right? Or is it just another story and then something's going to happen and she's going to say, like, save the day? We don't really know right now, but come on. Why does evil have to be so fucking stupid? Why can't it just go in there and boom, you're fucking dead? You know, it's just like anybody that leaves a fucking monster around. They see it for the first time. Boom, you're fucking dead. God, this is going back to fucking critters, isn't it? But anyway, so he decides to show her some other landscape and we see like a tribe of humans and they're actually outcast and they're walking along after being casted out from their society the lochnar which is really huge now lands in this volcano and there's all this green glowing like light that's going on and so these like tribe of people decide we're going to walk towards it and i think there's some sort of like religious cult or something because they all have this like medallion around their neck and that's like the symbol of their tribe So they go up the mountain and of course this green goo all of a sudden spreads all over the place and covers everybody. Why you would go towards this, you see it, unless it's like, you know, the draw of the Lochnar and the fact that there's something all powerful up there and you're drawn to the power, okay, I fucking get it. But at the same time, why would you spend your time, like, why would you even go after that? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me, like, period. So they go up to the mountain, they get, ended up getting covered in this green goo, whatever and that changes them into these like mutant barbarians and we get the first words from their now leader as he rises and what's weird when he rises from the fucking green goo like he had like a prosthetic arm and then it turns into like this like mechanical arm right when he comes out and he exclaims to everybody
2: TO ALL WHO OPPOSE
0: US! So, now all of a sudden, we got them and they're attacking the city that basically, I believe, outcast them. And this is a city of just, like... You know, they say politicians and scientists and stuff like that. And they were just slaughtering the shit. And the coolest thing that happens with this fucking scene is that you got Ronnie James Dio's The Mob Rules fucking blaring in the background as these guys are just swooping in and slaughtering every fucking person in this like city or village or whatever you want to call it, and they are being fucking brutal. They've got these guns that are like harpoons, and like, not those shitty ones from fucking Kroll that you shoot out once and then you never get another shot at with one side of it again. No, they're like repeaters and shit, and busting through people's skulls and through their chest, and just fucking killing anybody indiscriminately. Doesn't matter if they're fucking man, woman, or child. They don't fucking kill. They're just making sure that they get revenge on everybody that has fucking done them wrong. And that these scientists and stuff think that they're so much better than them because they're so much smarter and created the weapons that they're probably using to kill these motherfuckers. So we go inside like the big capital building of the whole city and we see there's a group of like the council there. And they're talking amongst themselves as the barbarians are slowly reaching towards the gate. And they have decided that, well the head of them has decided that no, we shouldn't fight back. We shouldn't fucking arm ourselves. Instead... We should rely on the ancient race of Tarnak to come and fucking save us, even though they're killing us right fucking now.
6: They're killing everyone. We must escape.
0: The city
5: is burning. Elder, we must arm ourselves. We must fight silence! We are not a race of warriors. We are statesmen and scientists. From our very beginning it was ordained that the warrior race of Tarak the Defender would aid us in times of need. This was the pact. (laughs) Tarak the Defender? His race is dead. They cannot defend anyone. Some say that the race is not dead. That one still lives. One? What good is one? One of Tarak's blood can do much.
6: Elder! well who is this last defender
5: how can he be summoned it is tarna of the blood of tarak the defender the last of the race and must be summoned as my forefathers summoned tarak himself from within but will this defender answer a tarakian has no choice they must answer it is in their blood the halls quickly we must do something bar the door
0: we will summon the defender together okay so a couple things here that we've got going on first no don't arm yourselves there's a bunch of people coming in and they're fucking killing everybody they're going through and destroying your fucking city but no hey there's like guns over there in the corner and we have some type of weaponry that can fucking they have no defenses on the city Does the whole world have no fucking defenses against like oh we're just gonna be make sure that we're like these you know, peaceful fucking scientists and politicians, and everybody knows, scientists, okay, you guys can be peaceful, but fucking politicians and statesmen, come the fuck on. Like, you're manipulating everybody as it is. You're telling me you don't have some type of, like, army that's there? Instead, you rely on one race of people, the Tarrakians, and there may not be any more, but there is one more possibly out there, and you're gonna just do what you can instead of fucking get the defenses ready or have you know what have fucking turrets at your fucking location because maybe you did something fucking stupid at one fucking time where you could go in there and you could fucking defend yourself but no we're gonna wait to the last possible minute when they're busting down the door to be on some floating fucking platform to go and fucking summon somebody that you don't even know if they'll show up will they not show up on time guess what they're not going to show up on fucking time if you're relying on one person against all these people. Great. They're a great warrior race. I totally get it. But you know what? One, one gun. One, one gun. Pew, 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 pew. Just pew, pew, pew. And least wait until she comes. Protect yourself. No, instead you've got the boy going over there and he's telling you they're starting to break in already. He didn't fucking barricade the door before the fucking people started away ramming the door with their fucking rat- battering ram out there. Instead, no. What you've got is he, at that point, while they're already hitting the door, he's using bullshit technology to fucking stamp his foot into a thing to pressurize and push this T that's gonna, like, fucking brace the door. And it fails. And why does it fail? Because he waited too fucking long to do it. Why didn't he just do it right away when he said, they're coming? Are you fucking stupid? You are a fucking idiotic, moronic, dumb, dipshit, piece of fucking trash kid that should have just done his fucking job and fucking barricaded the door before you went and fucking warned them. At least then you'd have more fucking time because what happens? They all fucking die while they're in the middle of fucking summoning Tarna. Spoiler alert because the next like five minutes are about Tarna getting fucking ready. What? Wh- what? <laughs> like, okay, great. They've summoned her. She's like, okay, I've been summoned. Now I need, and she's mute. She doesn't speak at all. And and mine is all going to be what I think her internal, like, monologue is going to be. And it's going to be in my fucking voice. Or maybe I'll, d- oh,
6: okay. So what I'm going to do is before I can go and help these people, I need to go and strip and swim into a pool. And when I swim into this pool, then I'm gonna go and I'm gonna fucking get the clothes and dress as slowly as possible.
0: Okay, I don't know why she sounds like Mickey Mouse, but she fucking does, okay?
6: Okay, then I'm gonna put on my clothes and I'm gonna make sure my big ass titties are out along with my carpet that matches the drapes because I got white hair right now and I gotta make sure that everything, I don't know if it's a dye job or if it's fucking, you know, just the way that it's gonna go, but, uh, I have it here and I gotta make sure that I have this shot because there has to be a titty shot in almost every single fucking story of this except for the one that's horror and Captain Stern. Uh, so two people got fucked and not seeing titties if they only watched their parts and didn't watch the whole movie
0: so she basically goes and gets dressed that's the big thing there's a long sequence of her getting dressed and then she goes and the sword comes out of the lake uh so one we're gonna get sued by the arthurian legend and two she raises it up in the sky and she you know almost like you know i have the lawsuit uh and the lightning hits it and she gets like her powers from tarakians or tarak or whoever the fuck this person is that's in her life or whatever's going on, and then she goes and jumps her bird and goes to protect the people. But even then, when she's getting her I-have-the-lawsuit powers, uh, we hear that the pact may have changed.
1: To defend, this is the pact. But when life loses its value and is taken for naught, then the pact is to avenge.
0: Okay, so she already knows that they're all dead and she's taking too long. Oh, I guess I gotta go avenge them now because... Man, that strap was really hard to... And this is fucking women RPG armor as well, right? So when, you know, these guys that are out there, especially this bad guy, he's got this badass, like, fucking metal arm that's got, like, blades and shit on it. And he's all fully dressed, and he's all ready for war and, like, armor stuff. He's also a barbarian, so, of course, you know, they don't wear a whole lot. But at least he's got some sort of, like, leather armor on, okay? Because he's got that sweet fucking red leather jacket and, you know, badass metal heads has got to have something leather, so he has that but she instead has like straps a letter that basically just cover her nipples and cover her crotch otherwise completely open like that is that a plus two leather uh, you know brassiere is that what that is because that ain't can protect shit doesn't matter what the fuck it is Uh, this is typical female armor that's going on maybe it makes you more agile but hey you know what? One hit and your thaco is hella low and you're just going to get slaughtered with one roll of the die. Guy's probably going to roll like a five and he's going to fucking break your armor class. So uh, anyway, she does get on her weird bird thing, which looks like a pterodactyl and a chick mixed together. Uh, and they fly towards the village or the city or wherever the fuck it was to see everybody fucking slaughtered. She goes to the guy that summoned him or summoned her, I should say, and sees that his head is now separated from his body. So she goes on the now, you know, she becomes the spirit of vengeance. Uh, no, not exactly Ghost Rider, but she, you know, getting close on this. She goes to the nearest city and she notices that there's a bunch of bats that have been tied to the edge of like, a, you know, like those horse. I don't know what they call them. But like they, when you stable a horse or, you know, like in the Old West and they tie them up to the post. Sees a bunch of bats that are tied to the post and then puts her little bird thing right next to them. So that way she's not conspicuous or anything. And then she goes into the bar, and when she goes to the bar, you know, because she doesn't speak, she manages to order her, like, green milk drink and go sit down at the table, and that's when a couple of the barbarians that have been now mutated noticed her as she comes through the door. Well, as she sits down to drink.
12: Hey,
1: oh. new one.
0: Where you from,
1: baby? Doesn't talk much, does she? She doesn't have to talk for what I want to do with her. Come on, baby, let's see what's under there.
2: Hey, she's
1: tough. Maybe she wants to fight. maybe she wants to take us all off.
0: So, with one fell swing of her sword, she removes the heads of two of those barbarians that are talking shit to her. Then she goes and cuts off the head of the other one, and that's basically what you got. There's a little bit of a struggle, a little bit of a fight. You know, the devilish band in the background stops playing. She goes with the bartender and she throws down the medallion and the symbol that they have, because she found one hanging out over there in the city near the dead guy's body and she basically tries to find out where they are the bartender says go towards the green glow of the mountains and you'll find them so she does fly off in her bird in that direction and as she's flying through one of the canyons she gets captured by the barbarian race and one of the guys realizes that hey see she is a Tarakian." a Tarakian. we have captured a Tarakian.
2: a Tarakian. Are you sure?
1: Yes, Your Holiness.
2: But the Tarakian race is dead, extinct.
6: She has the marks, Holiness. I saw them.
2: Have her bound and washed. Then
8: bring her to me. And one of the
2: bird, <sighs>
0: Kill it. So, I don't understand the whole thing of, like, well, clean her up. Like, is he gonna do something to her? Because he really doesn't do anything else but have her, like, chained to a block. And then he, like, examines her. Oh, so this is what a Terrakian looks like. And, like, yeah, that's what a naked girl looks like, okay? It's just, she happens to be naked and she's got a symbol on her neck that symbolizes that she's Terrakian. And then, you know, he decides that he's going to just start whipping her. So I guess she wants to make sure that his whip doesn't get dirty. Like, did she look like a, you know, $5 whore or something like that? Did she put too much makeup on? Uh, did she use too many, like, powders or something to make sure that it didn't get any chafing on her nipples underneath? You know, she wanted you want to make sure that his whip stayed nice and clean and stayed fresh to, for all the whipping that he's going to do later. And so he does whip the shit out of her. And then throws her in a pit. You go over and you see the guys are trying to kill the bird. And the bird is not sitting still. And while he's doing that. And she's tossing the pit completely naked by the way. And so they're getting ready to shoot the bird. And they go to shoot the bird. And the bird moves. And it's really like the bird moves way out of the way. And then the guy takes the shot. Not the guy takes the shot. And then quickly the bird has managed to get out. No he's just a bad fucking shot. You know, maybe he didn't like the person that he was assigned to work with for today. Like, this is Bill and Bob here. And Bob really just doesn't like Bill at all. And so when Bill's busy holding down the bird and he's like, Come on, man. Take the shot. Take the shot. Bob's like, No, I need to wait for my fucking time. And then when the bird pulls him aside, then he shoots because he makes sure that he fucking got Bob in the fucking head or the chest or whatever and killed the shit out of him. But at the same time, that lets the bird fucking go. And the bird goes down there and rescues fucking Tarna. And gets her back and they fly off, and she manages to get her sword and her shitty fucking armor at the same time. While they're flying away, they chase after them, and these guys are really terrible shots, but does eventually manage to hit the bird and causes them to crash down. That's where we have the final confrontation in between the barbarian leader and Tarna herself. It's actually a really good fight, the animation is. A little bit wonky, but for, you know, well, I'd say wonky for nowadays, but for then, I think it was actually relatively well done. And so they're fighting there. She loses her sword. She gets sliced a couple times because that armor is a piece of bullshit. And, you know, when she loses her sword and he's coming in for the kill shot because he's got his little like blade on his arm that's like whirring blade like a saw blade. He is about to kill her and then the bird comes by and bites his leg and really puts a deep fucking gash in his leg and then he manages to get the bird off of him by hitting him in the face with his like rotating saw blade or hitting him somewhere they don't really show it all you do is you hear the bird because i guess we can't show animal violence in an animated film yet he's been shot up a couple times by different spears I i don't know go figure maybe they thought that was a little too violent and when this happens, and she's able to get back and actually get control of his little saw blade, who he some reason can't turn it off, and she digs it deep within his chest. She goes, grabs her sword, jumps on the bird, and flies towards the Lochnar. And then she uses her powers of fucking lawsuit and manages to destroy the Lochnar itself. Tarna, do not
1: sacrifice yourself you cannot destroy
0: me yes lochnar she most certainly can destroy you uh so she sacrificed herself by basically you know summoning like i said the power of the lawsuit and explodes the house and the lochnar in the current timeline of the movie that we're watching because it screams no, the little girl, she manages to get out of the way, and she's looking out in the fields. And now she sees one of those birds, like, sitting in the distance. She goes up to it, she hugs it, and then she starts to, well, she climbs it and starts to fly away upon it. As she's flying away, her hair turns white as well, which I imagine, and this is a young girl, but... I would imagine the drapes also turn white at the same time, and now she's becoming the next protector of the universe or whomever it is, but she's the next Tarakian that is gonna continue on the legacy and have her own flying bird. And the Lochnar has been defeated. So it's weird that the story kind of ends up in this situation, that it's really about her becoming the last Terakian, uh, or Tarakian or whatever you want to say, whatever you wanna fucking call it. And the Lochnar could have who whatever it was could have killed her at any fucking time in the story. But pretty much the last scene of the film that we get is her flying off in the distance. We get now a happy voiceover guy that says one last little thing, and then the Devo plays. And the spirit of time
1: is transferred across the universe to a new defender. And the power of evil is contained for another generation. And a new Terrakion is born to protect the next.
0: heavy metal so overall it's a fantastic film in my mind yes there are a couple things that are a little like scream worthy and yell worthy and uh really ridiculous especially like i said the nudity in the film is pretty obnoxious uh but for young little me yeah i fucking loved it okay um that was like the best thing ever once i figured out there was fucking nudity in this movie uh but you know, you watch anime and shit like that when you're young, especially when you watch away from your parents. You don't usually watch around them, but then you get stuck watching heavy metal that way, and that's the way it goes. So the whole thing was just a reincarnation story, honestly, for Tarna, right? She becomes the next Taraki, and she's actually the soul of Tarna, now uh, reincarnated or whatever it is. And th- if that's the way it's going, why would the Lochnar actually show her that last story? Because either it's, it was happening in the same time, Or he didn't know exactly how it went or future or I should say past the past actually changed In some way shape or form because she was the reincarnate. I don't fucking know Like he was just thinking I'm gonna show you the last time where everything was futile and you didn't win Oh shit, I showed you the wrong story. No, and then he blows up They do do like a model explosion like they have the model of the house and they explode it in real time And that's very interesting. I don't know if they should have done that um, maybe they just didn't want to animate it and they thought this was the best way to do it. They were saving some money on animation. Let's just make a little model house out of, like, popsicle sticks and blow it the fuck up. But it, it was entertaining for the time. Um, and even in, at the end of it, it's something charming about it, I guess, a little bit. So, uh, if I had to rate the entire movie, uh, this is the way that I would rate it. The gore system, uh, or the gore for this movie is a 5 out of 5. It is really gory in parts. Uh, You do see people melt all the way down, skeletons and all. There's a lot of heads being chopped off. And it's animated. I know you're like, oh, but that's not that gory. It's just animation. But it gets pretty graphic, I would say. Even for a young kid, you wouldn't show this movie to them. Uh, And even for its time, it had a lot of violence and gore in it. So it's not a bad thing. It just is really gory. Craft Factor, I would actually give this like a a 3 out of 5. It's right in the middle. It has some bad dialogue choices uh sometimes when they say stuff it's really quick it's like you know it doesn't necessarily make sense like in den that is probably one of the worst offenders where it's like they say something and it just doesn't feel like it's cohesive it kind of like breaks apart and everything's in there like that um and then you know some of the animation doesn't necessarily hold up but it's still like entertaining and you can get past it as you watch the film as long as you become engrossed in the stories uh, So the fun factor of the film no surprise. It's a five out of five for me. These stories are really really fun They're great to go through um, There are weak ones. There are really fantastical ones the final one the Tarna one has was my favorite when I first saw it it's probably because it's the longest one And you have this badass warrior chick... That is just fucking killing people... And doing what she has... But when you break down... It's like... Shit could have been solved a lot quicker... Than what they did in the story... Um, She didn't have to take so long... To go and get fucking dressed... Before she went and fucking saved the day... That could have been done in a different way... So... You know... But... I still give the film a 5 out of 5 on fun... Because I still really fucking enjoy this movie... So overall... What do I give the film? Well, I can't give this a flawless 5 out of 5, but I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. And it's going to be a 4 out of 5 carpets that match the drapes. So, it's really entertaining. I mean, I think if you've never seen it before, your mileage is going to vary. But if you have seen it and you enjoyed it, you're still going to enjoy it today. If you haven't seen it, you're not too much into the fantasy stuff, like Dave had said he wasn't. There is stuff for you. There is sci-fi stuff. It is just an amalgamation of all different genres, and they all mix together really, really well. And they're all hold- held together by one ar- uh like you know, arching voice, uh, which is the voice of the Lochnar, in the case of the podcast, which is me. Uh, that brings all these stories and all of these styles together that are vastly different, but still convey the same meaning. So I do appreciate everybody that worked on this podcast uh, and worked, you know, spent their time, like I said before, to come out and actually do all of this for me. Uh, Paranormal Pat from the Paranormal Pativity podcast, Dave from Dave's Pop Culture podcast, uh, Richard, the, I still consider him to be the Fear Merchant, but Richard of the Bizarre Cast, which we need to get together for Skeleton Cop, because that's now been released. Uh, you've got Andy from the Black Cat Shadow, and lastly, you got Ben from the Angry Dad Podcast. So, I originally, uh, you can find them all at ParanormalPat64, at the Bizarre Cast, or at the Fear Merchant, uh, at Dave underscore Phantom. Uh, At Black Cat Shadow or Black Cat Shadow Pod um, and then at B to the fourth power and look for them everywhere that you can find podcasts, Stritcher, iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, uh, Podbean, Google Play, Blueberry, you know, all your favorite little podcast apps so you can just add your rss feed or their rss feed and please give them some love because i hands down could not have done something like this without them and they're all people that have been on the podcast that i've been with them on their podcasts um And have really created a bond of podcasters that has made getting to this number really, really easy and really, really simple. Whether they believe it or not, it truly is because I like to see the people that, uh, you know, I've had spent some time with them flourish with their podcasts and continue to do it as well. You know, as it gives me strength to do the stuff that I normally do. And all of you guys that listen as well. It's really, really important to us that you know you you check out our podcast as well as check out theirs so with that being said uh the next movie on the list is something that i decided kind of part way when i was putting this together and i even said in the beginning that i'd be thinking I- i'm gonna be talking about this and for the month of april uh we're gonna do something that i haven't done before And that's, we're gonna look at two anime films, uh, and they're gonna be English dubbed, and they're gonna be from the 80s. And the first one that we're gonna look at is Vampire Hunter D.
1: Permit me to introduce myself. I am Count Magnus Lee, and since you seemed fit to take it upon yourself to trespass into my domain, I must ask for payment. You're lucky I'm ten rough enough to let you live.
2: You're a vampire hunter, aren't you? This is where Magnus Lee kissed me.
11: Tomorrow is tomorrow with
1: blood. So it begins.
8: Neither honor nor love have any meaning to those who live in the
13: world I come from. There's only one rule. The strong shall live and the weak shall die. I'd rather be dead than go on living as a vampire.
2: Oh, well, no matter. You're still going to die.
1: Visitors from the past shall return to the darkness whence
8: they can. You and you... the rest of your kind should go back where you belong. Back to the abyss of oblivion! But I'm through with you, you'll beg me to allow you to die. This girl is different somehow and dangerous. She could destroy the House of Lee. I've
5: lived for almost 10,000
1: years. No one's ever caused me so much trouble.
2: Listen, Dee, let's
5: go far away where you wouldn't have to fight anymore.
0: So I do kind of apologize for that trailer right there, because the trailers that are out there, there really isn't a whole lot that's in English, and I want to actually convey that I'm going to do this in the English version of the film. And the reason that I'm doing this in the English version of the film is, one, so that you can understand it and two because that's the way i've seen the film growing up and i don't think the dub for this is that bad it's bad at parts but it's not that terrible it's enough that you can get through it and you can really enjoy the film so we'll talk about vampire hunter d now it is available on youtube right now and you can search for vampire hunter d and you can find it um and that's not something that you necessarily have to pay for right now somebody has graciously put it up but for how long i don't know it's about an hour and 30 minutes it's well worth the watch otherwise i would definitely go search it out i think it might be on one of the streaming platforms right now and there was a sequel that was vampire Hunter d bloodlust uh that may be out there as well but uh that's not the one that we're gonna watch and that's uh one that happened much much later after this we're looking at the 1985 original so we're gonna do two two anime films and we're going to do the two that i spoke about the second one is going to be akira okay i'll just let the cat out of the bag now um and we'll discuss akira when the time comes and that one will be i think a little difficult uh to do but I think that we'll still have a really good time when we talk about it. So, uh, only difficult because I think that some of the imagery and then even some of the story gets a little convoluted as it gets towards the end. But there is a really good video, and I wish I could remember who it was on the top of my head, and I saw this a while ago, that actually explained why the film Akira is actually more complete than even the comic book series. Um, The old mangas that were there. Yeah, there's stuff that's missed out But they were creating that film as they were ending the manga So the manga went on actually a little longer after the film and the film had to put a lot of shit into it uh, And that actually is what one of the reasons why it makes it a a masterpiece Uh, It created a very good argument for it and it's definitely worth a look if you can find it But I know Akira is out there as well So we'll be talking about those films uh, and for those of you that really haven't seen a whole lot of anime uh, or be like, wow, I can't believe that he's doing this. These films have a lot of significance to me, and Vampire Enter d is truly a horror film, like disguised as an anime, and I really want to do a couple of these, and i really love to do some Japanese films, but in this environment, it's very hard, because it's in Japanese most of the time, and the stuff that I love to watch is in the original language, rather than being watched, you know, all in English, so... It's kind of like, you know, doing a a regular Godzilla film and I have to use the shitty dub, but that's, you know, stuff in the 60s. It's it's about in the 80s. You have hit or miss ones, So don't forget to go out there and check out Vampire Hunter D when you get the chance. And I do want to thank everybody once again to do 100 episodes is really difficult for any podcast that's out there. You know, as Richard has said, he's up to 62. I know Ben has hit 200. That guy is a fucking beast when he does his podcast. He does it every, you know, every three days, um, except for on holidays, because just like the government, he doesn't fucking work on holidays. You know, Pat, he's done a really good job with the Paranormal Pativity podcast, uh, and his podcasts are every month, pretty much. So I definitely would give that a check out. They're always fun to listen to. The wrestling episode well, it's not truly a wrestling episode, but it started out with the Back in Time podcast as a very good starter. If you really want to, a place to start, and you're like, I don't know, go with the 13th Ghost episode. That's the one that I'm on. Like Dave said, sh- sh- shameless plug. Uh, and start from there. I mean, it's kind of a little bit like this, but not exactly. Um, but he does a really good job, and it's always fun to hear him read. <laughs> I got a that in it somewhere uh you know black cat shadow i really love the guys their serial killer series that they've been going through is extremely interesting and you guys should totally go check it out please if you want to i'm on there way back in the day because of dave um we did a guilty pleasures podcast and it was fun to do that with andy and dave and then if you want to check him out on this podcast go back and check out the blade trinity podcast from last halloween It was a lot of fun doing that with Andy, and Andy, I really appreciate that you took your time to do this here. Dave, of course, he's like the brother from another mother, um, and I don't say that lightly. It is, you know, I've been on a bunch of stuff with him, and he is one of the top episodes of this podcast. He was on the Jason versus Freddy, where the fucking corn trees thing came from, Um, but he has been very supportive and you know we're doing a well he is doing a gofundme for him to help him get out to california which may actually have reached its limit but go check it out because we'd like to bring him here and bring him one do a podcast with all four of us that are out here two i'd want to get him on an actual in front of me version of this podcast we already have an idea and three i think there's something very special that we want to do While he's here as well. And get his ass out of here. So we'd really appreciate any help that you could get. Um, But you know we'll see where everything goes. When the time comes. Uh, And lastly Richard and the Bizarre Cast. Oh yeah Dave. Dave's Pop Culture Podcast. uh, You could go check me out on the Terrifier episode. And the two Vincent Price ones. Uh, One we just talk about Vincent Price. And I talk about Dr. Goldfoot. And his two films. Uh, And then we talk to Victoria Price. His One of his last episodes, which I'm still blown away at the conversation with her. Uh, absolutely amazing and great insight. And man, I am just enamored with what she does and how she's chosen to live her life now. Um, it really feels like it's something that you could do if you didn't have something keeping you here like a wife. Uh, <laughs> and like I said, before I interrupted with that, lastly, Richard uh, and the Bizarre Cast... Always will be known to me as the Fear Merchant, uh, but, you know, he it was the very first guest. He was the very first person outside of my group of friends here that listen that actually reached out to me, and he happened to be from Ireland at the time. Now he's from good old Down Under. How's your pie? Uh, and you don't know that reference. So that's something for Pat and I, uh, but he has been supportive since he started listening to the uh, podcast. He had me watch Demon Child 666. He had me watch uh, The God-Off of the Gate 2. Um, <laughs> when we did our little episode together, uh, I've been on his show multiple times. Uh, he was also in the recent Christmas episodes where all the creatures were stirring, uh, which was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed, you know, I always enjoy talking to you and hopefully we will get either a full episode or a bonus episode of skeleton cop. We both got to watch it and we both need to schedule the time because it is, was available uh, as a download and the DVDs are supposed to be on their way. So hopefully I can go through that film for you and I may do as a double feature with another short film. We'll have to see. Um, But it should be a very fun time. And Richard, I appreciate everything that you've done for the podcast. Uh, And I'm, I hope that you definitely catch up to me soon. Uh, And hit your hundred and pass me up uh, because what you do over there is always entertaining. And, you know, with Robert, I think you you keep him in check really well. Uh, And I think that adds another layer to your podcast uh, that makes it, you know, when you're able not able to do the guests and that can be straining when they're the same type of guests that reach out to you. But it allows you to venture to other areas that you may have wanted to do before and that now you have the opportunity that Robert's there involved with you so keep up with the bizarre cast and I hope you hit that 100 very very soon. And with that being said for the podcast itself. Um, I want to thank you guys very much for listening for these 100 episodes. Check us out facebook.com slash terrible terror podcast at t underscore t underscore podcast on Twitter, terrible terror podcast on uh, the Instagrams, and check out the YouTube channel, terrible terror podcast. Thanks for the uh, oh, benevolent badger for creating this outro theme for me. I love it. Um, thank you guys, and see you next time. You guys are still here. Who listens this long after the credits? You know they're still rolling back there. Yeah, there's that guy that helps produce. Yeah, there's that guy that writes the scripts. Um, yeah, yep, that guy right there. He he's the one that gets the uh gets the clips for me every week, um or every two weeks. You know because he's a fucking lazy bastard and can't do it once a week. What the fuck is wrong with you? Um, you know, and then there's the guy that makes sure that I get the water that I need while I'm doing the episode. There's the editor right there. Uh, there's the grip, you know, there's the second grip. There's the third grip. Uh, and there's the Kung Fu grip. He's, uh, going on there. And then we have the, you know, Puppet Master guy that goes on here that keeps me supplied with my demonic little dolls that, you know, are around here. And then, uh, you guys want more? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, I'm not hearing shit because you guys aren't responding to me. Um, Yeah. What the fuck? Let's give you guys a little bit something extra. If you guys actually decided to listen on past the little exit there. Uh, I'm going to work on the theme song and blending it a little better. But uh, I really do want to thank the Benevolent Badger over there. You can check out his website as well. Which I'll put in the comments here. Because he worked on it. And uh, I really like he even made a nice little crescendo uh, that can go along with it as well. but. Uh, I decided as an extra we need to talk about something else and the other thing that we need to talk about is the what I'm considering the unsung final story of heavy metal and that's the South Park episode called Major Boobage. I kind of mentioned it a little bit in the beginning of the episode and, uh, I didn't want to really refer to it much more because you know what? We're going to run through the whole goddamn episode. Uh, I thought this would be fun. I thought this would be a little adage. I talked with Dave and actually I thought maybe I should have done something else, which was go through the very first episode, Terror Vision, and actually do a critique on it. I might do that as a bonus episode, but that one was, again, it was scripted. Uh, it was timed. The audio quality was terrible. I was robotic and f- fucking terrified of doing this podcast. You know what some people I always see all over the place is, oh, you should record your thing like five times, then put it out. And then if you're not happy with it, then you don't have to worry about you with your first episode, and then record something else. And I'm like, you know what? I am too much of a lazy bastard to be doing that. Because if you know my editing process, um, I'm too much of a lazy bastard to be doing that, so I did it timid and at all, and had this idea in my head, and found the episode. I actually ran the first ones through, like, uh, iTunes on an iPad, and just, pl- not even on an iPad, sorry, iTunes on the machine in a playlist, and was playing it, and juggling it around, and doing all these crazy things just to get the episode done, and then the second episode. You know, it was going to be every other week. I think it took like almost a month for the second episode to come out or something like that. Or three weeks or some weird shit to actually get everything done. And it was crazy to get that one done. Uh, so it's, it's really one of those ones that nowadays I probably wouldn't listen or, or put out if I had listened to it then. But it's still entertaining. Please go back. Check it out. If you've never heard the podcast before and you just saw Heavy Metal and you're going to do this one... Go back, start from the beginning. Um, it's so entertaining. And that movie's great. And maybe one day I will do a remastered version where I'll go back through the film, get the new audio, make it sound better. Or go through the old audio and see if I can do anything with it. Um, and, uh, you know, and <laughs> or maybe, I don't know. But for now, how about we talk about the episode of South Park, Major Boobage. So... The episode itself begins with Mr. Mackey talking to the class
9: and explaining what you can get high off of. Okay, kids, we have something very serious we need to discuss today, okay? It appears that some kids in school are getting high by choking themselves. Some kids call it the choking game, okay? But but choking yourself is bad, okay? Don't, Don't do that, okay?
10: You can get high from choking yourself?
9: School children are often experimenting with dangerous ways to get high, okay, like sniffing glue, guzzling cough medicine, huffing paint, okay? But they're all bad, okay? My
10: cousins in Florida said kids in their school get high off a of cat pee. Cat pee? That's not true. You can't get high off a of cat urine, can you?
9: Well, it's it's not actually cat urine, but male cats, when they're marking their territory, uh, spray a concentrated urine to fend off other male cats and and that can get you really high okay Re- really really high okay probably should shouldn't have told you that just now okay so of course the
0: boys they decide to get together and they decide to have Kenny as the basically guinea pig here and get high off of cat urine so they construct this like weird little device Where it's like poles that are taped together and Mr. Kitty, Cartman's cat. Which, always wondered, like, did he die off at some time? Because Mr. Kitty was a whore back in the day and it was a lady cat. And he was getting pounded by all these fat and obese cats when she was in heat. And now it's a male cat all of a sudden. So maybe it's a hermaphroditic cat, just like his mom. And that would be really fucking funny. (laughs) And so anyway, they have Mr. Kitty and he's being suspended in this thing. And that's where they get the other cat out there, and they put it right in front of Mr. Kitty. Mr. Kitty gets all mad, and and Kenny has his face pointed right at Mr. Kitty's ass. And when Mr. Kitty gets super upset, he sprays out that concentrated cat urine, which sends Kenny to the world of heavy metal. And literally, it is done almost exactly like it is. But they're using this song not from the beginning of heavy metal but the one that's used in the b-17 bomber sketch uh or story i should say but just like that he's in the car he's driving around and then he lands on the planet exactly the same like the grinaldi like shoot it looks fantastic because he's coming in and he's looking around he's like oh my god like he's stoned out of his fucking mind he's also when he's first flying to the planet before he makes the touchdown it's also the scene with the coke um, you know, uh, coked out aliens and they're flying and they have the weird backgrounds and he's back there too. And that's what he's experienced as he's flying. And of course, he's high of his mind, so Kenny's fucking excited. And then he lands... And when he lands and he even does the wheeled windshield wiper thing where he takes off the uh, like soot that's on the window. And so he lands and he starts driving. And the landscape is nothing but boobs, which makes fun of the whole heavy metal thing that boobs are just fucking everywhere in the movie. And here on this landscape, boobs are everywhere. And then all of a sudden we see somebody that looks like Tarna, but she's got like a cowboy hat on instead, but she's wearing like the outfit that Tarna's wearing and she's hitchhiking. And Kenny, enamored with her, decides to let her into the car and then even let her drive to Nippopolis. And, yeah, you heard me right, Nippopolis. To where she leads him inside and we see all the monsters from the last, from the Tarna segment, except for they've got boobs in different places. And, the, again, the castle's nothing but boobs. Uh, boobs all over the pillars. Boobs all over, or, or as they say in this episode, titties titties everywhere it's like titty palooza in this place and so she gets up and you meet her father and he speaks directly to kenny i
8: see that you're enticed by my daughter's awesome rocking tits then bathe with my daughter in the fountain of varnoff appease the gods by lathering her boobs with soapy suds
10: Go, Kenny, you alright? Kenny! Oh! What's the Dude, that cat urine really fucked you up. You were seriously tripping bars.
2: Ah, <laughs> uh,
10: Kenny, knock it off! What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, <Kenny. laughs> Dude! Dude, Kenny, calm down! <laughs> what titties? The teddies. I'm a old cuddle! Kenny, all you did after the cat peed in your face was start running around in circles cheering. Yeah, and then he ran through town screaming and started tearing off all your clothes. Hello? <laughs> Dude, I don't think we should be messing around with that crap anymore.
0: So it's hilarious because when he breaks the whole thing, like, they have totally fucking, like, cock block him. Because he's about to go into the, ba- the pool and bathe with the babe and she's about to take off all her clothes. And she's pretty much gotten undressed as much as she can already. And then, all of a sudden, as he's taken off his pants, that's when they knock him back into reality. And you see, he's walking around the street, yellow on his face from the fucking cat urine. And he's like on the ground, and his pants around his ankles, underwear's there, his shirt's all unbuttoned. And they're just like, oh, God, you know, we shouldn't mess with his fucking cat urine. From there, we cut over and we see that Gerald Broflosky, Kyle's dad, has just turned on the television. And all of a sudden Fox News, of course it had to be Fox News, is interjecting the current story with this breaking news that cat urine uh, sniffing, also known as cheesing, is taking over the nation. Next on Fox
8: News, it's the newest drug craze and it's killing your kids. Killing our kids? All over America, kids are getting high on cat urine. Huffing cat urine apparently causes a euphoric state, and is also referred to as cheesing. Why cheesing? Because it's fun to do. This sixth grade girl says she's been snorting cat piss for several months.
10: We sometimes sneak out during recess, and our friend named goes and gets her cats, and we'll just cheese all day long.
8: Oh my god! Sheila! Come look at this! So how can you tell if your child is cheesing? 1. Your child seems distant, preoccupied. Two, your child's face smells like cat urine. Three, when you see tigers at the zoo, your child starts grinding his or her teeth. You might also notice by certain phrases your child says to school friends, such as, hey, let's go cheese, or do you feel like cheesing, guys? Or, dude, I'm cheesing my effing brains out right now. Kids are doing this? Kids do it because it's legal. What can you do before
14: it's too late? We have to protect our children from this, Sheila.
0: So, of course, leave it up to kids to develop a new craze which requires you to sniff the back of a cat's ass just to get fucking high and have another cat get fucking pissed off in front of it, which is probably gonna claw your fucking face out. I also knew cats were fucking evil as it was, considering that one fucking bitch over there keeps messing with all my shit. Anyway, so (laughs) from here Gerald and Sheila, they go and have this, like, town hall meeting where he has to basically draft up and use his super lawyer powers to draft up a new thing to ban, basically, cats from all of South Park. This causes all the cats to be picked up. Kenny gets pissed off because, of course, his, you know, his supply is now gone and he can no longer go and see the girl with the huge fucking titties. And this also causes all the other cats in the town to be captured by the police. We see poor Mr. Scrambles being taken away by the police. But when it comes to Mr. Kitty, Cartman's cat, Cartman begins to hide him in the fucking uh, attic like he's fucking Anne Frank or some shit like that. And so he warns Mr. Kitty that he can't make any noises because if he does, then the cops are going to have to come and take him. We see that uh, the next day the kids are in school and they wonder where Kenny is. And Kenny, he's basically been out sick the last two days. And Kyle thinks that he's cheesing.
10: Guys, have you seen Kenny? No, I think Kenny's out sick today. Yeah, and he was out sick yesterday too. Guys, I think Kenny isn't here because he is at home cheesing. Uh, oh, come on. Kenny knows how dangerous cheesing is. Yeah, and where's he going to find cats anyway? They've been outlawed. Yeah, who has catch these days? <laughs> Pots illegal too, but people still manage to find it. Ever since that first time Kenny cheese, he hasn't been the same. You've all noticed the change in him. I'll bet Kenny is home cheesing right now.
0: And of course, he is home cheesing right at that moment. And when we see him and he's like fucking flying through the air on Tarna's bird and sees Tarna or this chick with a major boobage, She's down there and she's been captured and she's naked on the thing. And she's being whipped by like the, mo- the mutant barbarians, but instead of them just being the green barbarians, they've got titties all over them. There's titties on their shoulders, titties on their back, titties on their head, titties on their legs, titties for titties. It's just, they're completely titties. And he manages to fight them off and rescue the girl, and then she jumps on the bird and flies along with him, but she's got her titties bouncing on top of Kenny's head. And so when we see the boys come into the house, and see that Kenny's there, he's with his arms out wide, pretending that he's flying, his clothes are completely disheveled, and then he falls off the table and he overdoses on cat urine. Now, Cartman's not involved in this situation because, weirdly enough, Cartman has begun storing cats in his attic. Not out of his usual selfishness and greed, but because he really has compassion for these cats. Every time he sees the cats, he looks at them, and they give him the little cat eyes, and he's like, okay, I think I've got more space for you guys. So he puts them up in the attic. So he's a regular Oscar Schindler protecting the cats from the Gestapo that is the police of the town. We see that the next day, or, or a little bit later than that, I wouldn't say necessarily the next day, but a little bit later than that, that the boys now have an intervention set up for the cat urine that Kenny has been using.
10: Kenny, we need to have a serious talk. <sighs> yes, we do. We're your friends, dude. We're not gonna let you ruin your life. Look at yourself! You've got to lay off the cheese! <laughs> yeah, that's it, little buddy. Just let it out. Kenny, I know we're super cool and everything, but if we ever catch you cheesing again, we're gonna tell on you. Oh, cool, cool, that's cool, go. So yeah, he needs some sleepy night night, doesn't it, buddy? We gotta keep this away from him.
0: So they put him in a little baggie, the cat, and they lock it up, and Kyle takes it with him. When back at Kyle's home, we see that Sheila is going through his clothes, putting away clean laundry, and she notices the cat bag that's in his drawer. Gerald gets really upset and asks where did he get it from and he said well, it's not mine I'm holding it for a friend, which of course, you know nine times out of ten means that it's actually theirs So they punish Kyle by sending him up to his room and Gerald says okay, I'm gonna get rid of the cat We're gonna put it downstairs for right now just to make sure you know that when the cops come we know exactly where it's at He goes into the basement and he starts struggling with the fact that he used to cheese ten years ago And now he's finally gotten himself clean and the cat has been brought back into his life. He decides that, hey, I'm going to cheese one last time and this is going to be it. So he has his own cat contraption downstairs where it's built just like the one they had for Mr. Kitty. With the exception that it has like a screen in front of it where he can play videos of male cats to make this cat go ahead and spread his load all over his face. And he does just that. When he does that, he transports himself to the same land of Major Boobage, and he's approached by the girl with the cowboy hat as well. We cut back over to Kyle, who's now inside of his room, and he's been, you know, grounded for having the cat in possession. And he's really covering for his friend Kenny, to be honest with you. And the doorbell starts ringing, and nobody seems to be getting it. So Kyle gets out of his room and goes downstairs to answer the door, and it happens to be Cartman and Stan. You see... We There was a scene a little bit before it where Cartman walked into his attic and Kenny was up there completely bathing himself in cat urine because there were so many cats on the inside. And now that his supply has been gone, he's become an addict and he needs to get high on something so that he can go back and see the girl with the fucking awesome titties. So he's up there. He's completely holding cats and some of the cats are running away and Cartman and Stan show up to Kyle's house and basically of telling him that, you know, he, Kenny got into his stash. And that leads Kyle to wonder what the hell is actually going on and where the hell his father is, where we find out that his father has gone basically to the same place where the pool is, but he runs into an issue.
10: Dude, we've got a big problem. Carmen says Kenny is really messed up. He's chasing his fucking balls off, dude. What? He apparently got to all the cats carmen has been hiding in his attic. What are you doing with cats in your attic, fat ass? They're innocent victims in this, cow. They have to hide or they'll be put to death, something you just can't understand. Come on, we gotta find Kenny before he hurts himself. I can't, my dad grounded me. Wait a minute, where is my dad?
14: Hey everybody, good to see you again.
6: Hold! You
8: cannot yet caress my daughter's awesome boobage! Ha! How come? There is another suitor!
14: What? Get out of here, kid! Woo! Woah, woo! You're too young for this stuff! This must be decided at the
8: Brestriary in Nepopolis!
0: So, Gerald and Kenny, they start fighting inside the Breastuary, and they're getting their weapons, and everything has tits on it. Like I said, you have to... This is an episode that you do have to see more than just here, but it... (laughs) They're literally, like, they have the shield and sword, and it's a boob, and the boob's at the end of the hilt on it. And then you got the axe, and the axe head is a boob. And they've got all their other weapons, and so they're basically fighting. But in the real world, Gerald is just in his underwear with P all over his face. And Kenny is stripped down as much as he can with his hoodie still on his face. And, of course, P completely covering his face as well. So they go down and they fight. And, uh, and that's where the kids and Sheila, they find them inside the, basically the park and in the sand pit, struggling with each other, slapping each other, and Sheila reaches out to Gerald and is like, what the fuck are you doing? And then it turns out that Gerald, he's making a public apology, and this was during the time, and I believe this one, this is season 12, so this is fucking, what, nine years ago? Jesus Christ, this episode is older than I thought it was, but... During this season, there was the whole thing of people being caught and their wives being at their side. And the way politicians always run with every circle, whenever something bad happens, the wife stands by their side but looks indignant. So you have Sheila there and she's looking away, and Gerald is telling the crowd that no, it's not the cat's fault, it's our fault.
8: The key proponent of the cat ban has been charged with cheesing in a public park.
14: Gerald Boblosky is prepared to give a public statement. I would like to address a personal matter. I have let myself down. And I would first like to apologize to my lovely wife. Don't touch me. And to the people of South Park. I was wrong, and I can't let cats take the fall anymore. It's our fault. The people who use cats for their sweet urine. We have to learn that cheesing just isn't worth it. Sure, you get to fight in the bestiary, and swim in the fountains of Varnoth with the itty-titty fairies of Mammary Mountain. What the hell is he talking about? I have no idea. And then you fight the boob goblin in the Gazonga's cave, and then the girl may thank you for it, but she isn't
9: real. And you never really get a good look at her naked boobs anyway. Problem is,
14: the more you go into that world, the more you need to go, until you start blowing off all the real people who care about you. Yeah, I what so. Cats aren't the problem. We made cats illegal, and then I cheesed for the first time in ten years. And kids are always gonna find a new way to get high. Like sniffing glue, or licking toads, or fermenting feces, or huffing paint. You can also look at- Uh, Okay, that's probably good, Gerald. The point is, I was wrong. It's time to legalize cats! (laughs) Yeah! Hooray for Gerald! Let's hear it for Gerald!
0: Yeah, fuck you, Gerald. Your ass is fucking grass. The reason that you did this is because you're like everybody. Oh, let's go ahead and just start banning stuff because I don't know how to fucking deal with it anymore. And that's pretty obvious by the whole thing. And it's so ridiculous that it happens to be cat urine. But the whole message is, you know, that people don't want to deal with the stuff because they can't deal with it themselves. And they need to learn to fucking deal with it themselves. Like,. If you've been able to beat an addiction, it's very good for you. But if you're constantly addicted to something, you're going to find another way to fucking get addicted to it. We also have Kyle here. Uh, He's trying to explain to Carmen. Carmen's like, I've learned the lesson that, you know, you can't deprive these cats of their freedoms and blah, 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 you know, because they didn't do anything wrong. And Kyle looks at him. He's like, you sure that this doesn't remind you of anything else in history? And he's like, nope, doesn't remind me of anything of people hiding in an attic to make sure that they stay You know, secure because there's a Gestapo chasing after him. Doesn't ring any fucking bells. Stan then looks over to the guys and he looks at Kenny. He's like, oh man, he looks so peaceful. He looks like he's getting high on life. But then something major happens. Guys, check it out.
10: It's Kenny. Isn't that great? He's just getting high on life. Yeah. (laughs) He's getting really high on life dude he's getting super wasted on life Kenny what the hell kind of flowers are those? Kenny? Kenny? It's your-
0: And so Kenny's able to go back into his drug-induced world. He gets to go out and hang out with all the boobs that he wants because now he knows how to get there and nobody else can take that away from him and he is addicted to that major boobage. So this is just a really funny little episode. What I love about this is that they do so much with the animation and make it really mimic the style. They don't really go into everything, but it looks mostly like the Tarna episode, and a little bit at times like Den in some epi- like little ways. And they definitely mimic the beginning of the whole thing with a car coming down and all that stuff. It's really fantastic. It's an episode that you definitely should see if you've never seen it before. It's available on Hulu if you've got Hulu. And just like this, it's completely, you know, uncensored. So you get everything from titties to fuck to all that shit. Uh, but if I had to rate the episode, uh, it's got a 3 out of 5 for gore. Because sometimes when they fight in the fantasy world, it does get a little bit gory. And South Park has never shied away from gore. Uh, Crap Factor, it's a 2 out of 5. It's very good social commentary, just like a lot of South Park episodes are. Uh, it does very well. In you know, like, the animation looks really great, the storyline is really good, the jokes hit hard, uh, and the stuff with Cartman even is pretty damn funny when you realize that he's just purposely avoiding comparing it to anything else that's ever happened in history. And the fun factor, I'd give it a 5 out of 5, because I think, visually, some of the gags work really well, especially when Kenny comes down for the first time, and Cartman brings him in, and then when Gerald and Kenny are fighting inside the sandbox... It's fucking hilarious, and the landscape, again, they mimic heavy metal so well in this episode that it's worth it if you love heavy metal just to see that piece. So with that, I give this four out of five major boobages. Uh, so you guys should definitely check out this episode. And with that being said, that's it for the 100th episode Spectacular. Again, I thank you guys very much for listening to it. I thank everybody for coming along for the ride and enjoying and, uh, you know, doing their little bits and stuff like that. And um, we have another guest. Who the hell is it? Red Rocker. Who the fuck is the Red Rocker? What he you... Famous song. I don't play music on this goddamn podcast every once in a while. But come on, you guys got to tell me these things before you start bringing these people and they start doing these fucking songs from this place. And I'm going to get fucking.